Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome into the Ford Miller Access Podcast. Merry Christmas and a happy holidays from myself to you. And hoping, like myself currently, I am not in the Bay Area. I'm down in Southern California with my fiance. We're probably at Disneyland right now, ringing in the Christmas time and celebrating uh, the new year that is going to be 2024. Like myself, I hope you had a wonderful Christmas time with your friends, your family. And because it being the holidays, I was not able to record a a podcast following the San Francisco 49ers loss to the Baltimore Ravens. But do I have a treat in store for you on 95, seven, the game myself, Mark Grandy and should be hall of fame fullback Lorenzo Neal reacted to the Niners loss on Christmas night for two straight hours. I bring that to you right now. Don't forget to like share and subscribe and without further ado, here is myself, Mark Grandy, and Lorenzo Neal reacting to the San Francisco 49ers Christmas Day loss to the Baltimore Ravens. The game is over. And we are headed to overtime. On 95-7, the game. Well, that didn't go as planned. Christmas night in Santa Clara will end with a Ravens victory over the San Francisco 49ers. What's up? You're listening to Overtime here on 95.7 The Game. Mark Randy and Sterling Bennett with you as always. I'm pleased to be back after a week off. If you can hear it in my voice, I had the cold last week, the flu. I'm back, ready to rock. Unfortunately, the Niners could not meet the test tonight in Santa Clara. The 11-3 Baltimore Ravens strut into the South Bay and they escape with a win. Final score will be 33-19. The Ravens just got the ball back on a fourth and goal interception thrown by Sam Darnold, who was in the game at the end. We can get into that and how it got to that point. The game wasn't even really as close as that 14-point final score suggests, yet the Niners could have very easily making it a one-score game in the final couple of minutes. Uh, But Sterling, as we get going here on overtime on 95-7, the game, first of all, welcome everybody. Appreciate you guys tuning in on this Christmas. Christmas night. Hope you had a fantastic holiday weekend. Happy holidays to everyone out there, and I hope uh, everyone else's weekend was better than what this game was. Uh, the Niners were extremely flat from the very beginning, Sterling, and they just never really got into a rhythm on either side of the football, and as a result, they lose for the first time in quite a long time. Mark, I have been here since 8 a.m., and the only <laughs> thing I wanted was a San Francisco 49er win to cap off my Christmas day. And you ain't getting it. No. In fact, I got coal. The Grinch came, took the coal, smashed it, and said, you don't get anything for Christmas. In fact, Yikes. you get less than nothing. What happened tonight was a near-complete dismantling of the San Francisco 49ers. Now, yes, it's one game. Yes, the sky is not falling. And yes, number one seed Oh, this doesn't mean the Niners are fraudulent? No. Well, every, every, well, all right. Hey, all right. hey, <laughs> hey. Every time you and I come on air here and the Niners blow out some top team with a really good record, a good what one. do you do? You start chanting hey. F-R-A. 
U D S. So I'm just trying to figure out what does this one mean, Sterling? It means I'm a homer, Mark. You got to get over uh, it, all right? <laughs> okay. So, okay. No, but I. Everyone talking about this game was like, it's going to be close. So, oh, oh, you know, Niners are going to win. I never bought into the overconfidence Niner fans had. In fact, you asked me. What do you think's going to happen today, Sterling, coming into today? And I go, you know what, Mark? <laughs> you said that they're either going to win or lose. I said, uh, <laughs> I said, I, I, the homer in me says they're, they're going to win, 31 to, to 24. I said, but the pessimist in me, the realist in me, thinks they're going to lose tonight. Now, I'm not saying it to toot my own horn or pat myself on the back, but this really was not surprising to me. The Ravens are a really, really good team. And the Niners, they've won six in a row. They've been playing good since uh, the bye week. But it just feels like that you play against the AFC North. Brock Purdy has arguably probably his worst game of his entire career. It's not the recipe for success for the San Francisco 49ers. No, no, not at all. Uh, Brock Purdy, four interceptions in this game, Sterling. Uh, We can get – we can – Pick apart every single one of them. They weren't Stinky. all his fault. They weren't all terrible. The first one was bad, and it happened early in the game. The Niners driving yeah. George Kittle all over the place in the early. Red zone. You get in the red zone, you're feeling like, all right, we're going to take an early 7 nothing lead. It's as a you number have, two defense in the entire as league. As you have too. really all season Man. long, you go right down their throats the first drive. And then Brock Purdy a little bit late on the read. The first reads were to the right. They were covered up, so he moves back to the middle. Uh, who was it intended for? Was it intended for it was Debo? Debo, you're right. Debo Samuel on no, Debo a deep, Samuel. a deep post into the end zone. He cleared the linebacker in front of him, but a, a, a beat too late. He makes the throw. It allows Kyle Hamilton, the safety on the right side, to come over and intercept it. An easy interception for him. Uh, there were three others. A couple were tipped and picked. One of them at the line of scrimmage. Um, but Brock Purdy's worst game of the season. Because in this instance, certainly you had more turnovers than he's ever had. Plus, you didn't have those chunk plays really every single moment of of the game otherwise. Like, you think back to the Minnesota game, the Bengals game, where he turned the ball over at least two times in both of those games. He was the offense. Every other play. He was still making big play after big play after big play. Here you have four interceptions, and you could say they weren't all his fault. There were some drop balls. There were some tips. Receivers didn't help him out. That's all true. But there wasn't enough around those plays to make you feel like he had any sort of decent day. Simply put, he had the worst day of his professional career, Sterling. Uh, and the fact that this was even still a game at times <laughs> right. in the second half yeah. was actually kind of impressive. It's a four-point ev- game at halftime. Everything went wrong. <laughs> everything Man. went wrong for the Man. 49ers. They, the defense allows scores on seven straight drives. Most since, what, 2005? 2005. It's the Cardinals. Like, they allowed eight in a row that day. Do you ever just sit back just out of amazement and say, like, what the heck just happened? Like, what did I just watch? What just transpired in front of me? That's what feels like tonight. Like It was bad. Did I just witness the number one seeded San Francisco 49ers get their you-know-what shoved in at home, they're riding high on Christmas Day? And the answer is simply yes. I don't know if it was a, you know, you had too much ham in the morning, you had too many tamales uh, last night, I had too whatever much it was. I mean, look at me over here. I got a loaf of bread and a... <laughs> 
and an uncorked Martinelli's, and I'm having more fun than San Francisco <laughs> is right now. I drank this whole thing, 31 grams of sugar, and I'm hyped up right now because the San Francisco 49ers just lost on Christmas Day, 33-19. to Brock Purdy gets hurt, and they're like, you know what, Purdy, you're healthy enough. Don't come back in the game. Don't four picks. Enough is enough. Like, I get it. One loss isn't the end of the world. But it's Christmas Day. It means a little more. It's one seed versus one seed. And San Francisco said, we're just not going to show up. You know what? It's fine. We'll go beat the Washington Commanders. We'll go play the L.A. Rams. But now the Eagles won today. And you're sitting back saying that number one seed doesn't look as secure as it did just 24 hours ago. No, it doesn't. And that was some of the conversation leading into this game. I heard a lot of people, a lot of takes, a lot of opinions saying, Man, I mean, it's great the Niners have a, a bit of an edge now on the number one seed, but it, it kind of took away from this matchup because it kind of um, took away from the importance. Like, this no longer was an absolute necessary must-win for the 49ers. So my question is, trying to find the balance between the Niners' issues but also giving the Ravens the credit that they deserve, is this just an instance, Sterling, of the 49ers realizing, all right, we have to win two of the next three games? Ideally, you want week 18 off so you can kind of have consecutive bye weeks leading into your first playoff game, and they desperately want the one seed. You could miss me with any of the talk about, well, the path from the two seed is actually easier because maybe you avoid so What is that conversation? It's a stupid conversation. (laughs) You get a bye, and you don't have to – you get to sleep in your own beds leading up to the Super Bowl. Like, that's what you want. That is the best possible path you could ever have no matter who the opponents are as the number one overall seed. Was there any bit, do you think, any bit of the 49ers having the edge hmm. in the one seed in the NFC um, and and maybe that they weren't quite as as focused, as amped up, 11-3 versus 11-3, one seed in the AFC versus one seed in the NFC. The winner leaves this matchup with the best record in the NFL. Is there any of that there, or does that just take away credit from the Ravens, who clearly deserved it because – that they played an incredible football game today. If you're asking me, did San Francisco not get up for this one? Well, it's kind of like after the Niners' five-game win streak to right. begin the season. And then what What did Fred Warner say week 10 after the win in Jacksonville to snap the streak? He said, I feel like we learned our lesson, right? Like, is there any bit well, of that again here tonight? I don't know. I just think they got beat. It, it is a combination of Brock Purdy having his worst game the Ravens just made plays. They put guys in the box. But it, it was more than just Purdy. Right, right. I mean, De- all Debo the mis- dropped some passes. Ayuk dropped passes. Ayuk was non-existent until garbage time. This cost me a fantasy win. I'm going to the playoffs, folks. There you go. <laughs> playoffs? You're going to the championship? Me game? and my fiance facing off. I'm going to take in it to her like nobody game. else. She's going to get it. <laughs> but in addition to all that, I mean, you had missed tackles defensively. You had Fred Warner overrunning tackles. Dude, mis- Brown was misreading a lanes. Like, it was just sloppy all the way around. And I'm not trying to take any credit away from the Ravens because they played an incredible football game. Yeah. The way that they planned for this Niners offense just blew my mind. Ravens they were defense incredible. is great. They're the number two defense in the entire league, and some fans took it for They're like, oh, whatever, it's the Ravens. They haven't played anybody. The Rams scored 30 points against them. We're going to put 45. Like, they're a good – they're the number one seed in the entire NFL. Why are we discounting how good the Ravens were coming in? And I hope San Francisco fans, including the team, sat back and said, we got our butt humbled. Like, we are a great team. San Francisco's a great team. But sometimes some people just have, whether it's the day they're better than you, 
Lamar Jackson, I didn't think was great in this game, but he was good enough. In fact, I think right now he's the MVP favorite. Oh, got to be, no doubt now. He didn't blow me away tonight, but the defense made plays for them, put him in positions to score quickly for the offense, and they got it done. Like, the Niners just came out, and they were flaccid. It's flat all the way around. It was bad. It was bad. We're just getting rolling here on overtime on 95-7 the game. We, of course, want to hear from you uh, all night long. We are a little bit short-staffed here because it is Christmas night. Uh, So if you are trying to call in, apologies. We'll get to your calls as soon as we possibly can. But if you want to direct your frustration, your anger elsewhere, you have a couple of other ways to do it. Give us a text on the Comcast Business text line, 888-957-9570. I see the 510 there. As always, 510, we appreciate you on overtime here every single week on 95.7 The Game. You can also check out the YouTube chat, youtube.com slash 957 The Game. The chat is flowing already. A-H-I-C-U. Uh, Francois, Dre, Carlos, Teddy, I see all of you. Alex, I see you as well. Keep it up. We're keeping an eye on the YouTube chat here. Again, it's youtube.com slash 957thegame. It's overtime on 957thegame with Mark Grandy and Sterling Bennett with you. Reacting to this uh, really tough 49ers loss again. Final score 33-19. to The Niners now 11-4 and and once again tied atop the NFC. However, the Niners do have the tiebreakers over all of the teams competing for the one seed. They have the tiebreaker over the Eagles. They have the tiebreaker over the Cowboys, who lost again. They're still a game behind the Niners, and the Niners have the tiebreaker over the Detroit Lions. So not the end of the world for the 49ers in terms of the number one overall seed. They still control their own destiny, but they took a major step back on a national stage Christmas night, the final game, the nightcap of what was an incredible weekend of NFL football. It's the worst nightcap ever. And the Niners just laid an egg, simply put. I mean, they were bad at every single phase. Granny Goose out there. Man. Every single phase. Find find me one area, one grouping of players, one individual player who, I mean, I guess maybe George Kittle, who had himself. The ref that fell in the end zone, maybe. That was awesome. The Niners got their first points on a safety when Lamar Jackson tripped over an official in the end zone and tried to throw the ball away, called for intentional grounding in the end zone. Niners then get a field goal. They lead 5-0, and that was the end of good things for the Niners tonight. This game was drunk. It's too much eggnog. People were out there just hammered. I could could use a little bit of eggnog. You can ask some more Nellies if you want to. There's like seven bottles in the kitchen out there, (laughs) but my goodness. like From the beginning of this game, it felt like, okay, San Francisco, they get they get the safety. Great. They're going to march downfield and score a touchdown, make this make this puppy 9 nothing. Great. Then Purdy, he's got a window over the middle of the field. And you're like, yes, yes. And you're like, oh, my God, there's Kyle Hamilton. Watch out. Don't throw it over there. Then bang, interception. Kyle Hamilton was great tonight. He got pancaked into the ground, got back up, and found himself with the ball in his hand for a second pick of the day. Like, Brandon Stevens was making plays at the line of scrimmage, blocking passes up and down. It just felt like, I don't even know what to make of this game. Like, you just got beat. Like, you played poorly everywhere. There really isn't a point to say, well, you didn't run the ball, you didn't pass the ball well, the defense couldn't tackle. Yeah, everything that's been happening. McCaffrey was good again tonight. Okay. But that's it. He's... 
He's basically Jesus at this point. 14 like, for 103 so and a touchdown. Uh, he also had six catches for 28 yards. Does the AFC North thing bother you? You lose to the Browns, you lose to the Bengals, now you lost to the Ravens, and this defense is eerily similar to that Browns defense well, that beat you. I mean, the AFC kind of in general. Well, Purdy's number. I, I don't have it in front of me, but Purdy's numbers are weirdly awful against well, the AFC. I mean, this year the 49ers have three losses against the AFC. Three of their four losses. Now, actually, oh, that... That being the way the season has played out has helped the Niners because yeah. they have the tiebreaker over conference. just about every team in the NFC as a result of conference record. The Niners only have one loss in conference. But something about the AFC, the gritty, the physical, the good defenses, they've gotten to the Niners a little bit. And it's not just this season. It's kind right. of been what has hurt the Niners in the past, too, even before Brock Purdy. Does that concern you when you talk about getting to February? No. No? Because I'm sitting back, sitting here saying, wow, like you've lost to... Well, you don't got to take on an AFC team to get there. No, but when you but... get there, I, I don't care about getting there. It's when you get there. I mean, we sat here week one jokingly saying, book your tickets to Vegas, baby. And then we've gotten to this point, eight and, or 11-3 coming into the game saying, we're going to Vegas, don't worry about it. Number one seed, check. NFC West, check. Playoffs clinch. Here we go. And now tonight, I'm not... You know, walking anything back. This Niners team is still the best team in the NFC by, I think, a long shot. They've beaten the Cowboys. They've beaten the Eagles. They've beaten the Rams. And I get it, it's who gets hot at the right time. My hope, my prayer is that they get hot here against the Commanders and against the Rams, two teams they have destroyed the past few seasons. But we talk about how if you don't win a championship this year, you got to beat an AFC opponent to get it done. And if you're going to let this thing go how it's gone during the season and you're going to lose to the tougher AFC opponents, the Browns with, at that point, P.J. Walker and no Nick Chubb, the Bengals who had a healthy Joe Burrow at that point, now Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, why am I here? Like, why shouldn't Niner fans sit back and say, I don't know if they can get it done if they're going to have to play one of the top seeds, like the I mean, Dolphins just or the Bills one. or the Ravens, right? But got to beat them once. But if you can't beat them now... You can beat the NFC all you want. I don't care about getting to January. I want to win in February. I would not – I'm not doubting them. I'm not saying they can't get it done. I believe in them, but I don't – like, I don't blame you to go, well, no, the AFC against San Francisco has played pretty darn well. And uh, Lamar Jackson does not lose to the NFC. Yeah. One career loss against the NFC in his entire career. So you think the Niners have an AFC problem? Well, I mean, is this just outside of the Steelers? Is this just, yes. co is this just coincidence? Is oh, this man? Well, it's, a, uh, does it it's speak an AFC to, North problem, not it, an AFC. So problem. So it speaks more to play style and kind yeah, of that. that I think so. Hard nose, physical defense, just blue collar. We're gonna smack you in the mouth, kind of defense. Dallas don't play that. Philadelphia doesn't play that. Philadelphia played that last year. Not this year though. Not the Dolphins don't play that. No. The Bills haven't played that for the majority of the season. I do think they're kind of getting back to it, though. They are. They're getting hot now, but I do think that if you're San Francisco, you've watched Kyle Shanahan's offense not be exposed, but very much slowed down from scoring 30 points a game against the Browns and the Ravens. Those are the two teams I do not want to play. Well, so the thing was, the Niners in the first quarter, they still were moving the ball almost at it was will. Like 8.4 yards. A I play. mean, in the first quarter, 144 yards. You had six first downs on 16 offensive plays. You were averaging nine yards per play in the first quarter. Jesus. 144 yards, Jeez. nine yards per play in the first quarter, and the only points your offense scored were a field goal. 
Like what? Wow. What? What came back to hurt the Niners in this game was something that you've kind of seen glimpses of throughout the season. It was obviously the turnovers. Uh, Purdy threw an interception on the Niners' first drive in the end zone that yeah. that took away what you you felt like was going to be a touchdown because I think at that point the Niners had had ten consecutive red zone trips that ended with touchdowns. They have been incredibly efficient Man. in the red zone. We haven't even really heard from Jake Moody like for the last two months of the season. He was great Be- tonight. He, he was maybe, <laughs> he, maybe he was the best Niner. Tonight. Him and Christian McCaffrey, <laughs> the only two Niners that had good days. Um, but it was that, obviously, turnovers were an issue. Uh, and that first one came at the worst possible moment when you're in the red zone. The throw was to Debo into the end zone. And then it was, even when you don't turn it over, on the field goal on the ensuing drive, you stall out in the red zone, which hasn't been an issue for the 49ers, again, for a really, really long time. Last time you even really thought about red zone efficiency was during their losing streak. Yeah. Which was, what, week six, seven, and eight? Like, it's been that long for the 49ers 10 weeks, 11 weeks since huh. it's even be, been an issue in terms of red zone inefficiency, but those reared their heads once again, and as a result, the Niners' offense, despite moving the ball nearly at will in the first quarter, you only have three offensive points to show for it. I just realized they've only lost to North teams this year, NFC and AFC. Yeah, the Vikings. Dude, the North stinks. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's my, my least favorite hemisphere right now. We're going to throw hands, all right? But, but you're right. It, it felt like the Niners – this game was for the taking early. San Francisco was only down four points going into halftime, and, and it, folks are sitting back saying, you turn the ball over three times, and you're only down by four points. If that's not a Christmas Day miracle, you have a chance. I want you to go follow the North Star like the three wise men and go find Jesus in the end zone. Please. San Francisco said – we're not going to do that. In fact, we're going to play worse in the second half. We're going to play far worse. Trent Williams gets hurt. The offense can't do anything. Spencer Burford's out there playing tackle. Jalen Moore gets hurt. Purdy gets hurt. Aaron Banks gets hurt. It felt like it is felt as if the energy was drained. The effort, dare I say, was a little low. Uh-oh. Like, I'm not saying San Francisco didn't get up for this game. Well, that's that's what I was kind of talking about earlier. earlier. Right? Yeah. Was there a little bit of the Niners not taking the night off, but was it just like, oh, we got to win two of our next three. We can kind of skate by here and see how this plays out. Do you think it benefited the Ravens having to travel from the East Coast to the West Coast, not being in their own beds, having to get up for this game even earlier than San Francisco, whereas – you know, certain players are at home opening gifts with the kids. I mean, I don't know about you. I don't, I don't play in the NFL, but once I've had some biscuits and chocolate syrup and some gravy and some bacon and eggs, I'm like, I am not playing football today. <laughs> like, I'm going to go watch the Grinch on the couch. going to go watch Chevy Chase in Christmas Vacation, and I'm going to sit there and just put my, you know, unbuckle the belt and just go, oh. It's a Christmas vacation. Like, I'm not playing football tonight. I, I get your point. I don't think so. I think maybe what benefited the Ravens a little bit more is they are in a fight for the number one seed in the AFC more than the Niners are. Interesting. Okay. They have the Dolphins next week, and those two teams are one and two in the AFC Ooh. at the moment. So I feel like the Ravens came into this game. Maybe there is a little bit of that. Fewer distractions when you're on the yeah. road for a holiday. Then when you are at home, of course, everyone would always prefer to be at home. So right. I'm a little hesitant to call that a benefit, but I, I do get where you're coming from. I just think the Ravens a little bit more focused because 
they had a little bit more to lose in this game. The 49ers still, of course, something to lose. Now you very likely are going to have to win your final two games to get the number one seed in the NFC. And again, I'll say it again, don't fool yourself. The Niners desperately want the number one seed in the NFC, even if you think there's an easier path in terms of opponents as the number two. The Niners will play whoever the hell gets matched up with them as the number one seed. They'll take the bye, and they will take home field advantage through the NFC playoffs. But the Ravens, I think, had a little bit more to lose with this game today. Maybe that's part of the reason why they got off to that start, although still the Niners started fine. They moved the ball. They got a stop, and they moved the ball. And they're about to score a touchdown. They're about to go up 7-0 after both teams have had one drive in this game, like they have in almost every single one of their wins this season. They get a stop. They go down the field. They score. And then the turnovers happen. So even with that argument, which, I I mean, it's how I started the show, like, the Niners still started fine. <laughs> it's just everything else after it went to you-know-what. Well, just look at Brock Purdy's stat line. 18 for 32, 255 passing yards, 8 yards per attempt. Just that, you go, that feels like a Brock Purdy game. I mean, he averages, what, 9 yards per attempt this season, which is best in the NFL, so he averages 8 per throw today? So, like, his stats, just passing yards, attempts, and yards per attempt— are very Brock Purdy-like, who coming into this game was the MVP favorite, and you go down the box score a little more, and you say, oh, four interceptions. And zero touchdowns. It's almost like we gushed about the efficiency. Oh, how efficient the offense is, the most explosive offense in the entire league. The efficiency was nowhere to be found. There was no rhythm today. And again, that goes, Ravens get a ton of credit here. Like, what they were able to do defensively, to slow down, like, take it from their perspective. Their fans are sitting like, we just knocked off the best team in the entire league. We just knocked off the number one offense in the entire league. We outscored them. We had four or five takeaways from them. Like, they're sitting back thinking they're the big dogs now. I do think if you are San Francisco, there does, in a way, need to be this underdog mentality. And not that, not that foe, not... Not that fake stuff the Philadelphia Eagles tried to kind of conjure up, like, oh, you know, we're the underdogs. (laughs) You're at home, and you're the number one seed, and you lost us, right? But for San Francisco, it's when you have this much much talent, a game like this is almost inexcusable. Like, there's no reason as to why you couldn't put up at least 20 points against the Ravens. With Brock Purdy, an MVP candidate, Chris McCaffrey right now the number two favorite for the MVP, and Kittle having over 120 yards, Ayuk over 100 yard receiving. Like, don't let that fool you. Ayuk was invisible. He, in he was, but I'm, I'm just saying, if you're reading the box score and you didn't watch the game, you'd be like, "What was the problem?" They checked a lot of boxes. They did, yeah. and none of it mattered. Which, in a weird way, like hearing that, it's like, what the hell happened? I mean, the Ravens or the Niners played poor enough to lose this game by 25. Yeah, this game could have been 42-12, and I'd say that makes sense. That's how bad they played today. It was ugly. Ugly. The bird gauntlet has failed us, Mark. They almost got through it. 4-1. and one. What are Ravens' wings made of, man? You can't clip them. The Ravens are one of those teams. I mean, I think I said it here on, on overtime, like maybe a month ago when we were looking forward to this game yeah. we were talking about the MVP race. Baltimore, when you watch Baltimore, I don't know, watch Lamar Jackson this season, it's not, it, it doesn't strike me it's, as, like, incredibly <laughs> good and dominant. Yeah, it's not yeah. that 
It's not that fancy. But Lamar, what was that, 2018 when he had the MVP season where he rushed for over 1,000 y- yeah, yards? incredible. And he was throwing bombs to Hollywood Brown all, all the Marquise. time. One of, one of your Oklahoma favorites. Boomer Sooner, right? baby. Right? <laughs> not anymore, though, unfortunately. Anymore. But, I mean, that was a different kind of Ravens yeah. team, and maybe as a result that's why they didn't have as much postseason success. I don't even think Lamar won a postseason game that year. Uh, and Lost to the Titans in the first round. That's right. The year the <laughs> Titans kind of put a run together and Man. went to the AFC Championship game. Ryan Tannehill. But <laughs> this team, I don't know. I don't know if maybe it's part of what got into the Niners. I'm sure the Niners absolutely respect the hell out of this Ravens team, and the Ravens are always a, a tough team and, and defensively strong. When I watch them, and maybe tonight just opens my eyes and I'll go back and watch past games and I'll see the light now, I hadn't been incredibly impressed by the Ravens this season. It's almost like, from a outside perspective, it feels like they just kind of narrowly squeak by. I think many Niner fans watched that Ravens and Rams game and said, well, Stafford's putting up 30, and they barely win with a, with a punt return walk-off in touchdown overtime. in overtime. Yeah. Like, well, if they did that, well, we can put up 40. And it's like, that's not how it works. The Ravens are, I think, one of the best teams when it comes to matchups. Like, they just match up well against Everybody, at least defensively. And Lamar Jackson, to me, is the most unique quarterback in the entire league, as it goes dark in the studio here. Um, this this <laughs> right now is what San Francisco should do. Everyone go into a darkness retreat, close the closet, pull an Aaron Rodgers, and think about how poorly you played Please today. Please don't pull an Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Take some ayahuasca, have some fun, get some Martinelli's here. They got our loaf of bread going right here. We can all share around, right? See, look at it. They had the bread and the lights came back on. <laughs> see, see how it works, folks? You eat some bread, you eat some carbs, get a little sugar in you, you have some fun. But I do think that the Ravens just match up well against everybody. John Harbaugh is a great head coach. Now, beat us a couple years ago in the Super Bowl, but we're going to keep that there. But they just, they're smart, they're veterans, and they know how to win. That defense really is not that young. It's a bunch of dogs, just like the Browns are. A bunch of dogs that are going to grit and grind their way to a win. They're going to bite your kneecaps, they're going to break your ankles, and they're going to punch your face in. That's how they play football. And today, San Francisco talks about you know, you got to be gritty. You got to be tough. We want to run through you. Debo Samuel, physical receiver. George Kittle invites the contact. Guess what? So do the Browns and the Ravens, and both those teams out physical you this time at your own place. Yeah, no, they really did. And it's the first time the Niners have looked absolutely lifeless at home. They lost to the Bengals. The Bengals were playing incredible that game. The Niners still were in that towards the end. At least the offense was consistent in that game. Uh, but you're right. This was kind of. The Niners' first absolutely terrible performance at home in a really long time. Quickly, you're listening to 95.7 The Game, KGMZ FM and HD1 San Francisco, always live on the free Odyssey app, Twitch, and YouTube. I'm keeping an eye on the on the YouTube chat here, youtube.com slash 957 The Game, as overtime continues on 95.7 The Game. It's Mark Randy and Sterling Bennett with you. Uh, speaking of Bennett, I see Bennett on the YouTube chat. Not you, Sterling. What a great name. A different Bennett. Uh, I see Sammy, uh, Chief, NRG. I see a bunch of you. Sean. Sean asks, is Brock still the MVP? Hmm. Uh, Brock is no longer the MVP favorite. Uh, I think. Is he your MVP, Mark? Uh, I can't give him the MVP. Was after he this ever your MVP, Mark? He was my MVP favorite entering this week of play. Okay. So. If you had to say, is is he number two now behind Lamar? 
I don't know. I don't even know if I want to put Lamar as one. Like, well, who are you putting instead I mean, of Josh Allen's been playing great football? Like, I don't think one poor game, which is a really bad game from Brock, I don't think it defines his MVP status. Now, I'm not saying he's still the favorite, but I do think that if there was a game that you might want to say Christian McCaffrey, I do think it is this game where you say Christian McCaffrey could very easily, well, I won't say easily, Christian McCaffrey could have probably put up 19 points by himself. I mean, he was he was the Niners' offense today yeah. until garbage time when Brandon Ayuk got going. Kittle also was decent early, but I don't know. The, we talked a lot about the type of teams the Niners have lost to the AFC North kind of team, the Ravens, uh, the the Cleveland Browns, the the coal mining kind of people, the coal mining kind of players, the fracking the kind of folks. Do the 49ers <laughs> have an issue with that kind of physicality? Because the 49ers have prided themselves for a really long time on being the team that brings that kind of physicality to games. They have been that team for a really long time. They're going to dominate you in the trenches, right? They went and acquired Javon Hargrave. No one expected the Niners to spend that kind of money, at least on that position this last offseason. They beefed up their defensive line. They have arguably the most talent on the defensive line. Now, Eric Armstead did not play today, missed another game. That's a big loss in the middle of that defense. You did get Javon Hargrave back. You have the reigning defensive player of the year. You went out, you acquired Chase Young. You are set there. Offensive line is a bit of a different question. You didn't put a lot of resources or energy into showing up that spot. This offseason, they have been, I think, at least for me, better than expected. But the Niners have prided themselves, Sterling, forever on being the more physical team. Uh, And we're going to just simply out-physical you. We're going to wear you down. By the time the fourth quarter comes around, we're going to be picking up 12 yards per chunk on the ground because you're tired and we keep coming at you like few other teams do. Is that still true? Do do the 49ers have that edge in every game that they play? Or is what we're seeing in these losses continually coming against the, the other physical teams? Do these other teams have a physical edge on the 49ers? And you asked me the question, do they have an AFC problem? Maybe just simply put, do they have a physicality mm. problem? Are they unable to stand up against these kinds of physical tests anymore like they have in the past? I don't think it's that they can't. Like, if these two teams did match up again, I do think San Francisco will have the benefit of losing this game. Now, I'm not promising a win later in the season, and they wouldn't play until the Super Bowl, mind you, but I do think that San Francisco is not sitting back, or I'm not reevaluating how tough they can be. I just think that there are some teams that can at least equal them, and when your quarterback throws four picks, like... What team wins a game when your quarterback throws four interceptions? What team can have your quarterback throw three picks and you only be down by four points at halftime? Not many. I do think that in the struggle today, while there really isn't many silver linings, I I don't think you can take away San Francisco being one of the elite teams. or even. I don't think you can really question their toughness. I I just think you have to give the Ravens some kudos and say, you walked in here and you smacked the you-know-what out of us. Yeah, the Ravens deserve so much credit. But let's look at the Niners' wins during this win streak that just got snapped, right? On the road to Jacksonville. Frauds. Is is Jackson... (laughs) 
That's what this is hey, gonna they be, lost yeah. to the Bucks this past week, so I is, can say that. Is Jacksonville a physically elite dominant team? No, no, no. they're not. Tampa, are they? I mean, they're kind of maybe not, up not front really, defensively, but, but not too much. I wouldn't no. think you, of them as a team that wears you down physically right. over the course beat of, of a, of a and game. that's it. Seattle twice, no, no, they're not. Philadelphia last year, yes, not this year. They are not that kind of physically dominant team anymore. Now their offensive line is still really good. Yeah, but the defensive line, the defense in general, Swiss cheese, right? Like you can just go through them. It's a good cheese. I like. I mean, all cheese is good cheese. I wouldn't go that far. Okay, um, <laughs> Arizona. Now they're clearly not. Now you got Baltimore. Yeah. I mean the, and again, you can only play who's in front well, of you. Well, I can go back and say, are the Steelers a, a tough team? San Francisco did beat them. Now week one, mind you, but they did. Like, but Dallas, you beat Dallas. They're not. No, they are not that new. The Giants are not. The Rams. Especially week two, they were not. They're playing much better now. They're more of like a finesse team, though, in my opinion. The Niners, what? Well, the, the team that the Niners have beat, of all the teams the Niners have beat, who would you call the most physical? Is it Pittsburgh all the way back in week number one? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I hope not, <laughs> but it might be like at least defensively. Yeah, like I do think they have those great and like T.J. Watts phenomenal defensive player of the year. Alec Highsmith is a underrated edge rusher opposite Watt. I do think their secondary isn't great outside of Minka Fitzpatrick and Joey Porter Jr. who didn't start in that game. But I do think well, I'm not questioning San Francisco's toughness. I do think that if you are San Francisco, I don't think anybody in the NFC scares you. No team in the NFC can match your toughness. It's once you get to the AFC against these northern teams like the Ravens, like the Browns, that you sit back and you say, these guys have been there, they've done that, and especially with the Ravens, they got the quarterback that can make the extra play. Whereas the Browns have Joe Flacco, who's getting lucky every single week. It looks kind of decent. 51.5 points for Amari Cooper in fantasy. God bless you, Joe Flacco. <laughs> but, like, the Ravens just, like, the Ravens are tough, they're gritty, they grind, they'll smack you around, and they have the X factor where other teams that are tough or maybe tough like San Francisco don't have that player. Philadelphia thought they had it in Hurts. He ain't been the same guy, right? Dak Prescott was having an MVP kind of season, but I think we all know who Dallas really is. Get him on the road. They ain't gonna be the same team. Then you get to Baltimore and you say, man, like they got the they can win on the road, they can win at home, they got a great defense, and they have the X Factor kind of quarterback. That's what separates them. They're tough, they're gritty, they grind, and they have that quarterback. I talked, my mom was just she was like, Can you please stop talking to me, Sterling? I said, Oh wait, mom, everyone's saying we're gonna we're gonna destroy the Ravens. Lamar Jackson has uh, he's averaging like 70 yards per game. If you took Lamar Jackson's rushing stats, seventh highest leading running back with yards in the entire league. And I was like, we're not going to beat that guy. Our rush defense was number one against the Cardinals, dropped to eighth after the game. 
They missed 14 tackles per game the last three weeks. I guarantee you there was like 17 tonight. The Niners just got outplayed, didn't play well themselves, and when you have Lamar Jackson, the most unique quarterback in the league, you're not going to win games like this. You're just not. Yes, that's the question. Is This this isn't just a one-game thing. No, no. The defensive issues. Now, some of it is injuries. Last week, you were without both Hargrave and Armstead in the middle. This week, you're just without Armstead in the middle. Shows how important he is. He's a, he's, I have said this time and time again. He is so underappreciated at stopping the run. He is he does so much work against the run game just by himself in the middle. He he doesn't get as many sacks as you know rushers coming off of the edge. Of course, he doesn't get all the QB hits and the QB pressures. He is so important uh, against the run. And with that plantar fasciitis, you know you just fingers crossed that yeah. he's able to come back soon uh, because the Niners desperately need him. But this is not an issue that just reared its head today. You're right. I mean, what? They allowed 240 yards on the ground? 234 against the Cardinals. Against the Cardinals? When they were allowing going into the game like 70 per game, which was best in the NFL? And 102 tonight, which doesn't seem like a lot, but the Ravens were in the red zone half the game, it felt like. And it came at big moments. And how many tackles did the Niners miss? How many times? And I know that this is a little bit more so unique to Lamar Jackson. It's just what he does as opposed to Niners whiffing and making bad tackles. How many times is Lamar Jackson in the grasp in the backfield and he finds a way to skirt away, extends the play, either makes a throw for, you know, just a few yards, but a positive play, or he eventually takes off and runs. There was the big play on third and long at the end of the first half when the 49ers got a little bit of momentum. They got into the end zone, cut the deficit to one, Cut the deficit to one with a few minutes left. You think, hey, maybe we're getting the ball back here right. to close the half. You don't do that. Then later in that drive, third and I think it was like 13 from just across midfield, Lamar Jackson, you felt like Chase Young had him in the backfield, escapes, runs left, looks to throw, no one open, takes off. It was Fred Warner that very, very strongly over-pursued. Lamar Jackson cut back to the right, left Fred Warner in the dust, Jair Brown was scared of the same thing Dude. happening to him, so he didn't even really commit anywhere. And Lamar Jackson just ran upfield and ran right past him, got all the way down to around the 10-yard line. They had a shot at the end zone. Fortunately for the Niners, they did not allow a touchdown there. Instead, it was a field goal. But there was just so many moments. That's just to name one where the 49ers won. You feel like they had a play for a big sack defensively. Lamar breaks away. You can't tackle him. You missed like three tackles in the process of that play. And you give up points as a result. And again, a lot of that is just Lamar being special. But to your point with what happened against the Cardinals, this is not a new issue. The running and the missed tackling. It's been a place where the Niners have been susceptible defensively now for a few weeks stretch, despite the fact that before tonight they were still winning those games. So I think it's a little, it's not the smartest thing to just write this off and say, well, it was a bad day. Ravens are a really good team. Niners maybe overlooked them just a little bit. First of all, I think that takes away from what the Ravens did today. They're a very good football team, and I certainly feel like I had them misrepresented in my mind leading into this game, and they deserve more credit than that. But it also uh, would mean that you're willfully ignoring some of the issues that have plagued the Niners the last couple of weeks. We need to identify these things so you can improve on it moving forward. But let's not pretend like this is just a one-night thing. The issues that plagued the Niners today, at least defensively, 
have 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 shown up before, and most recently as just last week. Well, and it's not just last week. It's go back to when this team lost three games in a row. What were they not doing? Scoring in the red zone, turning the ball over, and missing tackles, allowing the opposing team to stay on the field for elongated drives, taking up time of possession, and keeping your offense, which is one of, if not the, most explosive offenses in the entire league, off the field. All of that has kind of, we thought we put it behind us. Now it's crept back up. Each week of the past, what, four, starting with Philadelphia, you win that game, I get it. You missed like 15 tackles in that game. Then you go out there and play uh, the Cardinals last week. You missed 14 tackles or 16 tackles in that game. Well, you had the Seahawks as well before, yeah, in between which there. Which you missed 10-plus tackles in that one too. Drew Locke, the backup quarterback playing, and that was a game for a little bit. It, it, it just feels like when we talk about Fred Warner saying we got humbled, we we, we, we learned our lesson. That was week 10 you after have, the bye, after the three-game losing streak when they snapped that streak. You may have learned it. But I don't think you learned from it. Like, there's a difference there. I learned my lesson. I learned... <laughs> or the last six weeks have made you forget that lesson. Right. And, and and I do think for San Francisco, like like Lori Matthews said in the YouTube chat brought to you by First North Carolina Credit Union, don't panic. Like, there's still plenty of time to play. There's still two games left. There's a whole playoffs to go. And, and Lori, you're right. Let's, like, there's no need to panic when it comes to playing the Commanders. You control your destiny for the one seed still. Like, it's up to San Francisco, up to us, right, to get this thing done. I don't think being 11-4 and four is like, oh, my goodness, we're 11-4, and four, the season's over, we're not going to make it to the end of the road. <laughs> no one's saying that. But I do think that this defense and the team as a whole, when you look at every stretch of poor play they've had, there are so many consistencies, missed tackles, turnovers, poor red zone off, uh, offensive efficiency. There's a common thread in all the losses. And now it's happening again, and you hope that against the commanders they get right, they get back to putting up 30 points a game, then you go into Week 18 against the Rams, and maybe, I'm hoping and praying as well, that that game means as much to the Rams as it means to San Francisco. I hope. Rams are good. I No. I don't believe that. I think you're going to... I'll have to check the tape. Week two, did we come on overtime? Did you call them frauds? Because if you if you did, you might have to take that back, Sterling. They're <laughs> no, not no, fraudulent. I, I I'm telling you. I, I'm telling you. The, the Rams exact are scary. Same record as the Seahawks. Who who who, who, I, who I are the Rams? Beaten? I don't care about record. They're, who, they're who, better. Who are the Rams beating? Nobody. Nobody. The ra- So let's see. the The Dallas it, Cowboys are going to be the five seed mm-hmm. most likely. Sure. They will host. The or they will not host. They will go on the road four seed. against the four. Probably Tampa Bay. Probably I mean, they could lose, but even if they win, <laughs> everybody in the even if NFC they win, I mean, I'm trying to think of how this matchup would work. I think the Rams would beat the Cowboys in the playoffs. Is what yeah, I'm saying. If you, that matchup were to happen, do you believe in the Cowboys? Not particularly. Okay, then does that does that mean anything? Then they can beat a team I don't believe in. Cool. So, <laughs> like. <laughs> Sam- All I'm saying is week 18 against the Rams is not going to be easy. I don't want it to be easy. I want, if we can all play this thing out perfectly, which by tonight's standards is not going to happen, right? I want that game to be Niners fight for the one seed, Rams, you have to win and get into the playoffs. I want it, I want to push them out of the playoffs. Not because I'm scared, because I hate them. There's a difference there. 
I don't I don't believe in the Rams. That defense is not that good. Oh, you beat you beat Derek Carr on a Thursday night. Derek Carr stinks. Not good. The, the he's checking down on third and ten, down eighteen, down sixteen to go with four minutes left in the fourth quarter. I think the Rams are getting into the playoffs, and if they they would likely either play the Eagles or the Lions week yeah. one, first round of the playoffs. If you, they play you, the Lions, you love Jared Goff MVP if they right play there. the if they play the Lions, <laughs> the Rams will beat the Lions in the playoffs in Detroit. Good. I don't believe in the Lions' defense. <laughs> like, there are San Francisco's competition. I don't think is the NFC. Yes, you have to go through it to get to where you want to be. Right. I don't think San Francisco's toughest competition is the NFC. I think it's the AFC. I'm not guaranteeing a ticket to the Super Bowl, not doing any of that. Yeah, it sounds like you might No, be. I'm saying you have to come to play. Tonight, San Francisco didn't come to play. I can think certain things of teams like the Dallas Cowboys. I'll call them frauds all day long till they're not. And me and Stephen A. Smith are going to go out and have a drink. Like It's really that simple. The Rams, I get it. You got Stafford and McVay, and you're feeling good, and you got playoff experience. So what? You beat nobody. Nobody. San Francisco has already beaten the best teams in its own conference. And yes, you have to come to play every day. They didn't come to play today. My fear is not the NFC, though. It's teams like the Ravens. Teams maybe like the Dolphins, whose defense is actually playing some smash-mouth football and has the explosiveness on offense. They just beat the Cowboys. Yeah. Like, I, like my fear isn't, oh, the, the Rams. It's like, you see the Ravens tonight? That's what scares me. The Rams should have beat the Ravens in and Baltimore. And they didn't. In Baltimore. And they didn't. Because Stafford had to play perfect for them to be even in that game. And Lamar was like, yeah, I can have like 280. Just chill back. Get a punt to walk it off. No big deal. Like, the, the Rams don't, like, the Ravens scare me. The Rams don't scare me. All right. We'll see. Circle that. Come back to it. <laughs> I'm going to have to eat that, aren't I? In two, two weeks. weeks. <laughs> I mean, you're putting a lot out there right now. a lot of right bread now. week 18. You're putting a lot out there right now where the I Niners just, have a potentially got-to-have-it game in two weeks. I'm so confident even after this loss where they got shoved to the ground a handful of times, played sloppy, penalties, turnovers, interceptions, five picks on the night as a whole from their quarterbacks. Defense didn't play well, missed tackles. I don't know what the heck they were doing playing the – Yo-yo with Ambry Thomas and Jason Verrett. My goodness, folks, what are we doing out there? Even after all of that, I still believe this Niners team is the best team in the NFC. The record proves that. Their history proves that. And I'm hoping that their previous history just this year, that being the last six weeks, shows its head again against the Commanders and the Rams and all the way through the playoffs. Yeah, I'm not doubting that either. I mean, the NFC is in a weird situation where... Now the top team in the conference has a, a really strange, awkward blowout loss on their hands. But that team is also still not just beaten, but throttled everyone else close. They haven't played the Lions. That's the one exception. But I'm fairly confident the Niners could put up 40 on the Lions like they put up 40 right. on the Cowboys and the Eagles. So I'm with you there. The Niners are still my picks to come out of the NFC. And this isn't like time to panic and freak out about this this team's ability to win in the postseason. But I think we got a little ahead of ourselves crowning this team so early when there's clearly still a bunch of issues plaguing plaguing them right now. And a lot of it is defensively. Now you pair that with what happened 
today Purdy. offensively. And Purdy. we got to get into Purdy. We only have a few minutes left in this segment. We can do that on the other side. Um, I also thought Kyle Shanahan got thoroughly outcoached today. The Niners offense against that Ravens defense, it looked like the Ravens had the Niners playbook. Like they were, they knew everything. They knew everything the Niners were trying to do before they did it. Yeah. How many times was there a, a quick screen out to McCaffrey to the left, yeah. Debo to the right? I mean, Debo broke a tackle on Marlon, Marlon Humphrey, Humphrey. <laughs> somehow. Uh, he didn't even know the hit was coming, basically, and bounced right off of it like nothing that happened. That was like a Mack truck hit a brick wall. It was like, <laughs> who moved? I have no idea. But even with that, Marlon Humphrey and the Ravens' defense knew that play was coming. Yep. Debo's greatness is the only reason it wasn't like negative five yards and maybe a fumble. Um, but <laughs> like every single time the Niners tried one of their patented little, uh, let's just get it out quick to our playmakers right. in space. The dink and dunk stuff. Get us seven yards. Stay ahead of the chains. We'll get this drive moving. Every time the Niners tried one of those easy, let's steal seven yards kind yeah. of plays, the Ravens were ready for it. Kyle Shanahan got thoroughly outclassed almost every single offensive drive in this one for the 49ers. I'm not saying I'm worried about that moving forward. Harbaugh is obviously a great coach for the Ravens, and that's a good, good defensive staff and, of course, a very talented defense as well. Um, but the Niners really, really, really just got – they got beat big time in every single possible phase you can look at in this game. And it's not limited to the issues that haunted them against Arizona where they still won and the missed tackles and allowing a bunch of uh, yards on the run game. Like, they were bad everywhere else tonight as well, and that is troublesome. This game was weird, too, because even in the pregame, they inactivated Samuel Womack, who was their gunner the most of the year when he was healthy, and... To activate Jason Verrett, who hasn't played football in two years. And look, his story is incredible. How many torn ACLs has he had? And Achilles. And... Like, he's fought back from so much. And to play on Christmas Day back in the Bay where he's had his best year of his career, great story. Like, 2020, Verrett was something else, right? He was. I love the, Jason Verrett. Lone... Shout out to Santa Rosa JC, by the way, too. There you go. He was the lone bright spot of the 2020 season. And to see him come back and play was great. But. In a game like this, when you see pregame, oh, it's a feel-good story. And then you're like, oh, my God, get him off the field, please. Like, he's hurting us. And it's not to to talk down towards Verrett, but it's to point out that why it felt like they were trying to do, like, oh, we're going to have a feel-good. Yeah, what was that? Like, it, like they're Ambry yo-yoing Tom, starting cornerback when Thomas, Thomas has been the starter for six weeks. And he came back in the game. It wasn't it wasn't injury-related, right? No, he if was If it fine. was, I never saw anything. He's fine. So they bring Jason Verrett in for his first game action in a year and a half. To play three snaps. And on the third snap, he got targeted in the end zone and got beat for a touchdown by Nelson Aguilar. And like, and they moved Diamondar Lenore back outside. outside yeah. They moved Ver- Verrett came in to play <laughs> nickel. nickel. <laughs> like, he's I playing know, on a position. I, I don't know what's, what was going on there. Which, like, makes me, I don't want to go down the whole conspiracy. Thing. Oh, it's the X-Files, it's aliens, brother. But, like, it just felt like. Not that San Francisco wasn't taking this one seriously. It just felt like, just, I don't know. It, it's, it's hard to put a finger on, like, you got outcoached, you got outplayed, you didn't tackle, your quarterback's through picks, and you're activating players that really shouldn't be on the field. Or, like, they prioritized getting a player to have a feel-good moment, which I'm all for. I, I can't, be, I can't but, possibly believe it was that. But, but, you, but you, I, you take him off the field for your gunner, who's been great. Like, I'd rather have Samuel Womack 
this year, what year number three in his career, playing Gunner for me, than Verrett being on the field ever again. And I love Verrett, but like, what are we doing? This game means something. Why are we putting out a 32-year-old torn ACL or, or, or a player that has torn ACL like five times? I love him, but like, why is he on the field? He's not going to help you, at least now. Against I, the best team in the AFC, what? Like, what? Like, this is a big game. Yeah, I'm trying to find the reason why that was a move that the Niners made. I think it would be better for it to be purely a tactical, schematic decision, even though I would flatly disagree with it, as opposed to the team searching for a feel-good, nice little boost there from yeah. a player that the locker room loves. Like, if you're putting a player out there for the sole reason of like m- boosting morale in the red zone defensively against the best team in the AFC in a game that you are currently struggling in, like that seems like coaching malpractice to me. So I I just hope it was, for some reason, a schematic decision, and I can just flatly disagree with that schematic decision, but I I hope that's all it was. There was no extracurricular activity going on there. But then you look at it, and he's playing nickel. When has he ever played nickel? I don't think he ever has. But he's playing it in the, one of the biggest games of the year. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, it just makes you sit back and say, like, what What are we doing? Like, I don't know. It, it, it just, oh, like. There's a lot of that in this game. Losing Confusion. To, losing tonight was bad enough. And then you dive into, like, the decision-making process of just a rather unimportant play with Verrett being on the field and it just makes you say what are we thinking like it's there's not even a logical way logical reason to do that make that move that was the touchdown early third quarter that made it 23 to 12 it was a four-point game at that point that was an important (sighs) moment in the game the game was that makes it worse it makes it it worse and like I get I get Ambry had a holding call on a third down and extended the drive for the Ravens but like that you're going to bench your starting cornerback because he makes two mistakes in one game you have to have or you feel like you need to have? No. There's got to be something else No one's else ever there done that, that before ever. There's got to be something else there that we're not picking up on. I'm not sure. We'll go through the transcripts of Kyle Shanahan talking postgame and some others. We'll see if we'll f- we can find something. We'll get back to that on the other side. And we got to talk about Brock Purdy today. Four interceptions. It was never, never smooth for Brock Purdy in this game. We got to talk about his performance on national television on Christmas night in front of 30 million viewers. A ton of people watched Brock Purdy throw four interceptions today. We'll talk about that on the other side as overtime continues. The Niners fall to the Ravens, 33-19. to It's Grandy and Sterling. We're just getting started on overtime tonight. More coming up next on 95.7 The Game. Inside the red zone already, and the 49ers have scored touchdowns last 10 times. They've taken the ball inside the 20. Purdy, end zone, intercepted by Hamilton. Now back to Overtime with Sterling Bennett and Mark Grandy on 95.7 The Game. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everyone out there tuning in to Overtime here on 95.7 The Game. Appreciate you all for uh, spending part of your holiday with us here on 95.7 The Game. Mark Randy and Sterling Bennett with you. Is this your favorite Christmas song, Sterling? You're this enjoying is. it back there. I love me some Donny Hathaway. A very special you got it. Christmas. Not for the Niners, though. We need this. (laughs) We need some holiday cheer after what happened tonight for the 49ers. They fall to the Ravens tonight. 
Again, final score 33-19. to Again, happy holidays from wherever you are tuning in from. Hope you had a fantastic holiday weekend, a nice extended weekend. Hope you're getting some time off from work. Maybe you're still off tomorrow as well. I'm not going back into work tomorrow. Fingers crossed for you there. Certainly hope so. Uh, we might need it to get over this 49ers <laughs> loss, Sterling, 33-19. to uh, Let's focus on in on Brock Purdy here as we continue on overtime. It's Mark sure. Randy and Sterling Bennett with you. Off the top, we got a question from the uh, Comcast Business text line from the 732. Sorry, I didn't see this earlier, 732. Hope you're still listening. Uh, what's the status with Brock's injury? Honest question. I haven't seen anything. So he left the game. Uh, late in the game with what has been called a stinger. And if you remember, he also suffered a stinger for a moment last week in Arizona. He missed a couple of plays, came right back in, and was fine. Um, Kyle Shanahan has said post game that he doesn't believe the stinger issue for Brock Purdy will linger. He, he could have gone back into the game after coming out tonight, uh, but Shanahan kept him out given the score in the offensive line situation. Uh, so it seems like Brock Purdy avoided something major once again with Sterling now a stinger in consecutive games. Shanahan does say he does not expect it will linger, but to answer your question, 7-3 to the Niners, quarterback seemed to avoid any sort of serious injury once again tonight. Do the constant stingers bother you? They don't bother me. But I know some fans might say, oh, he's had like five or concussion against the Vikings and a stinger a few weeks ago. Now this one again, does it bother you? No. Okay. Just asking. Something more than a stinger and then maybe I'd be a little concerned. Yeah, I mean, the the way the game was going, Trent goes down, Banks goes down, Purdy goes down. I was like, who else? This is a 12 days of nine of injuries. Like, who is going down? And what is frustrating now is on you're on a short week, and you were already kind of coming into this game. On the East Coast, too. A little banged up. Yeah, you're going to travel out there. Probably on Friday would be my guess. You're already in a short week. You play today on Monday night. Um, So a little bit of an injury question there for the 49ers. But again, to answer the question about Purdy, does not seem like Purdy is uh, among those groups. Let's focus, though, on Brock Purdy's play because he threw four interceptions today, did not get into the end zone, was 18 for 32 with 255. Shanahan said postgame, quote, of the interceptions, the first one was a big mistake. The other three were pretty unfortunate for him. I think that's a relatively fair description and retelling by Kyle Shanahan. If you can't remember, the first one was when Kyle Hamilton came over from the right side on a throw into the end zone intended for Debo Samuel. Played it coming in. Debo, yeah, you're right. Debo was open, uh, but he threw it a little bit too late. Hamilton was able to come over there, step in front, and get the interception. That was just simply a, a bad process for Brock Purdy. He was late in processing that and making the throw. The others were kind of broken plays, tip drill, interceptions. Weren't great moments necessarily, but... Uh, but would you agree with Kyle Shanahan that that first one was the worst one for Brock Purdy? And the other ones are, I don't know if forgivable is the right word, but you could understand them a little bit more. I think you can chalk the other three up to just good defensive play or at least give the defense more credit than the first one. Now, Kyle Hamilton deserves credit for picking Brock that was Purdy also off a nice the end zone. But, but Purdy I do th- doesn't have to give him the opportunity to make Right, the like there's a window there. Like they pause the TV broadcast to say, Here's a gigantic window. Here's where it's supposed to go. And Brock just threw it late, gets picked off. But I would agree that I am not personally going to hold four picks against Brock Purdy. One, yes, I will. Maybe two, probably. But Brandon Stevens made a great play on the screen pass. Bats it up in the air, picked off. 
Kyle Hamilton, Kittle drops the ball essentially, and then pops ball right back to Hamilton's hand. Like it, it just. And Hamilton was involved on the, like the pass he got, rush. He got pancaked by Aaron Banks. And then got up, <laughs> ran all the way around, found Kittle, found where the ball was going to go, and was just kind of right place, right time for a, a pinball interception. But what I mean, does, Hamilton was all over the place. What does bother me though is that this game, while it was only four picks for Purdy, felt like it could have been eight. There were a lot of passes that were thrown behind receivers, a lot of passes that were tipped by either defenders or... He dirted a bunch. A lot, like... At the feet, a few uh, yards in front of the feet of some receivers. I don't... Maybe some of those are just, like, throwaways, kind of, but, I mean, yeah. some of them were on, like, third and fives where and you need skipping yards. balls, and, and you're like, what... Are, like, the accuracy was bad. Like, it was bad. Tonight... Was tonight the first game Brock Purdy's looked like a rookie in his entire career? He looked overwhelmed tonight. I think that's that's fair. I mean, we've we even mentioned this briefly tonight, but when those games happened, we talked about it. The loss in Minnesota, I thought Brock Purdy played the best half of his career in the first half, at least yeah. up to that point. He was good. And he threw some interceptions in the second half, but he still was making a bunch of big plays. The week following that one against the Cincinnati Bengals, he had a terrible red zone interception, yeah. um, and there were a handful of mistakes, and those mistakes, simply put, were ugly. They were, they were not good. But almost every single other play in that game, if you, if you just – Ignore the interceptions, which, again, you can't do when you're trying to evaluate this guy fairly. But if you take those out, my God, he was incredible the rest of those games. <laughs> yeah. But that's not, that was not the case tonight. No. His interceptions were bad, maybe some worse than others. But the rest of the game also was very uneasy, herky-jerky, never smooth, never got into a rhythm. So I think with that in mind, I think you're 100% right. It was the first game where he looked like someone without much experience. And for my money, Sterling, it was his worst performance of his career. And I don't yeah. think it's really that close. Do you think it lends credence to the people that may have been waiting for this? They were like, oh, I can't wait for, for Brock to play poorly, and I'll call him a system quarterback. Oh, that's definitely like, ratcheting up. If you were if you were um, frustrated, if you hated that narrative <laughs> earlier— And then going away. <laughs> it's getting stronger now because he put this yeah. performance together— on Monday Night Football, the nightcap for Christmas Day in the NFL. <laughs> oh, man. Nick Wright's going to have a field day. Whenever tomorrow. he's back at work, yeah. I assume it's tomorrow. My God. Well, like, so after a game like this, it kind of is hard to defend, not the system quarterback label put on him, but it's hard to defend him after this one. Whereas the Vikings game, you could defend him. After the Bengals game, yeah, sure, Brock's still playing well. And, of course, you lose three games in a row. Then you rattle off six wins. Brock's playing borderline perfect through a lot of them. Then you do this. So, like, my thoughts on Brock Purdy tonight are not, he isn't an MVP caliber player, or he shouldn't be in that conversation. But it does feel like that Brock Purdy, did he take a step back? Like, a lot of fans in the chat are saying you, Jimmy G was better, and he sent some quarterback, and we we we, we th this was coming. We, Romeo, we all knew. Romeo on the YouTube chat, uh, YouTube.com/slash nine five seven. The game. Jimmy G is the answer. Uh, someone else says Bennett says quick. Ask Dallas to give back Trey Lance. Like, and I, I where, what happened I, to I, all the good? I'm I sure think they're just that's trolling. Joking, but but like 
There are people that believe that. Like, there are people that have been waiting for this game. And to those people, I say, go touch some grass. But (laughs) I also think that, like, everything Brock has done. Like, we we were crowning him the MVP. Many of us, including myself, were like, "It, it already may be wrapped up. Now, tonight's game might change that. But I do think that... Everything he's done to get this team to 11-3 and prior to tonight, does some of that good grace go away? Do some fans sit back and say, maybe he is a system quarterback. Maybe he, maybe he is just a flash-in-the-pan Jimmy G-like quarterback. I don't think that, but I, I do think some fans might get 2019 vision again, and I hate that. I hate that. I mean, I could, I, I 100% can see that narrative gaining a little bit more steam. I think it's more so from a national perspective as opposed to a local one. Now, you can't hide the fact that Brock Purdy was bad tonight. For me, I'm not... The MVP conversation is one thing because that is a statistics-based yeah. award and with a zero-touchdown, four-interception <laughs> game against the other best team in the NFL on national television, he's simply put just not going to win it. Like, it... it it can't you know, happen anymore. You, you think it's done? No, I think it's done. Brock Purdy has no chance to win the MVP anymore. But, like, I don't care wow. that much about Zero the Zero M- percent chance. I, I mean. Okay, one percent chance. If Baltimore loses the next two <laughs> and Philadelphia loses and the Cowboys keep losing right. and Purdy, like, okay, then maybe. Maybe. Okay. But, I mean, or uh, Christian McCaffrey is now the Niners' favorite to yeah. win MVP over Brock Purdy. But that's one whole conversation. The more important and, and, and the more interesting conversation, at least in my mind, is just about Brock Purdy, the quarterback, and yeah. his ability to help win this team a Super Bowl. Like, does that change in your mind at all after today's performance? For me, I think no. Now, I'll be watching a game against the Commanders maybe a little more intently than I would have otherwise. The I doubt's mean, creeping in, Mark. Does this huh? become a trend? You getting 2019 vision? No. But you getting, getting Jimmy G flashbacks? I literally, like I, I literally <laughs> just said that does not change my opinion. But you're, you're kind of your, your ears like perk up a yeah, little bit, yeah. right? Like you're kind of on alert. You're looking for these things you're, now. You're and if more if yeah. a trend starts, like one game is not a trend. If a trend starts, then it's something you gotta consider and take in all information that you possibly can before changing an opinion, making a new opinion, editing an opinion slightly, you know, whatever. I'm not there. It's it's one bad game against okay. a really good team, a really good defense. Things started crumbling early, and then they kind of snowballed, and they weren't totally um, Brock Purdy's doing the interceptions at least. He had bad moments that weren't interceptions as well. I'm not sh- hiding away from those facts either, but it's just one bad game. The guys put on tape this season, last season, an incredible amount of fantastic, great, great football. One game does not change my mind that much, but if this can, were to continue, okay, yeah, maybe. But uh, no, I'm not close to that yet. So you think that after this game, like you are more willing to wash this game under the rug and say whatever, Like, but is that only if they beat Washington? Like let's say next Sunday against Washington on the East Coast, 10 a.m., he comes out and puts together 230 in one touchdown pass. Are, are you like, oh, like, this looks like he's the game manager again. He, like, he, he looks like he's, he looks like an, a, another system or a, another Kyle Shanahan system guy 
because I'm sitting back saying it's one game, good defense, great opponent, a team that could have beat you even on your best day, right? Brock could have had, now this is a bad example, but Brock could have had four touchdowns and the Ravens still could have won this game. Like, he could have been his best he ever has been and Baltimore just could have been better than you, right? I don't think this game really moves the needle outside of like, yeah, you played bad. Like, Brock Purdy simply sucked today. Does he have to play, like, does he have to blow Washington out for me to, or, or for the listeners to say, oh, he's back, or he or he's back in the MVP conversation? Like, I don't think he leaves the MVP conversation. Now, certainly falls down a peg or two, but I'm, I'm not sitting back saying, oh, it's Jimmy G, like, oh, better watch out, 2019 all over again. This just feels like a one game, I don't even want to call it a fluke. It's It's almost like... You had a bad meal. You got you got sick and you threw up, and now you're fine again, right? That's kind of what it feels like to me. Yeah, no, he he does, and um, you know, it's 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 just one game, and there's there's nothing really more for the 49ers to take out of it. Now you can break down the tape, you can look at it, and and you can point to what Brock Purdy did wrong and what the mistakes were, and let's not let's not pretend like it was simply. Brock Purdy playing poorly. I mean, his receivers for three plus quarters did him no help. They they did not help him at all. I mean, how many third and fives were there? Passes over the middle, maybe not a hundred percent accurate, but Debo Samuel dropped one. Uh Brandon Ayuk, I mean, was targeted what once through the first like three quarters of this game. He was erased by Marlon Humphrey. He was taken out of the game. game. Yeah. He got going in garbage time, which coincided with Sam Darnold coming in kind of strangely. Red Rifle Jr., baby. (laughs) Red Rifle. But this was also a game where Brock Purdy's pieces around him weren't great. And so the, the, the blame isn't fully on Brock Purdy. This isn't a situation where it's 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 all Brock Purdy's bad performance, and that was what sunk the 49ers offense. There were issues elsewhere. Um, and for the 49ers, it's something where, okay, maybe from a wider team perspective, not just from a Brock Purdy perspective, but from a wider team perspective, that might be something that's a little bit more concerning. How are you able to ensure that Ayuk does not get taken out of games? You were able still to get Christian McCaffrey involved, and he was effective as well. But your other offensive pieces were held in check. And that's really the first time with the 49ers fully healthy where you were able to say that. Now, again, McCaffrey was over 100. George Kittle was over 100. But Ayuk was invisible. Debo Samuel had a, a moment here or there, but didn't really have a big play that broke free and got the, the the crowd into the game. This was the first time where the 49ers were fully healthy on the offensive side of the ball, Sterling, and it wasn't pretty. And for the most part, it was pretty ugly. Dare I say very ugly? Like, when you have this many weapons, you have to score more than 20 points. We were talking about per DVOA, which is the nerdiest of nerdiest stats you can get. This team was a top 10 offense of all time. And like a top 7 team of all time. And the second best Niners offense since 1970. Which uh, features some of the best offenses in NFL history. We're talking one of the greatest quarterbacks, if not two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, the greatest receiver of all time. Like we're talking, One of the greatest running backs of all time. Should be a Hall of Famer, mind you. But, But, and then you do this. 
19 points, and your offense looks invisible. And Sam Darnold scores seven of those. And to a point, Shanahan kind of said, Purdy, don't come back in, obviously to save him from being getting Quarterback in. controversy, Sterling? It's back, but it just felt like Sam- Where's Brandon Allen? Oh. Oh. Trey Lance. Oh, God. <laughs> Josh Johnson. This was the Josh Johnson game, mind you. But you just can't have this many weapons with this offense riding that high, with this head coach, this offense in mind at your place where you played pretty darn good since 2019, and especially this season, and then do this. Like, your quarterback turned the ball over four times. Darnold threw a pick himself. Five total turnovers. Debo, a non-factor. Ayuk, a non-factor. The Ravens erased the stars of the San Francisco 49ers, and Outside of Christian McCaffrey in a man, first half from George Kittle, nothing really happened today for San Francisco. Yeah. All right, we get, let's go out to the phone lines. We got a special guest on hold here on Santa? 95.7 The Game. Santa's I wish here. it was Santa. Next best thing, uh, Lo Neal, who, of course, you hear on the kickoff show with Larry Kruger for every single game with, with Larry for the home games, with Evan Giddings for the road games. But he was down in Santa Clara tonight for this game, first doing the kickoff show here on 95.7 The Game, then at the game, and he called in. We're gonna join. Uh, he's going to join us here now on overtime on 95.7 The Game. It's Lo Neal on overtime on 95.7 The Game. Lo, you're with Grandy and Sterling on overtime. Lo, what was that game like down in uh, in Santa Clara? And, and Merry Christmas. How you doing? Hello? Lo, you there? All right, we'll regroup with oh, Lo. The Christmas present. Come the, on, Lo. The Grinch got him. The Grinch got him. He got him. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll regroup with Lo, and hopefully we'll get him on the other side coming up in just a little bit. But I'll be interested to hear what Lo Neal. I was so excited. I was excited, too. And it's another disappointment with this Niners loss. And now Lo Neal. Lo got taken him out Come crumping on, up Lo. there with the hoop. Oh, man. <laughs> Um, but I'm interested what the crowd was like at Levi's yeah. because it was kind of kind of an interesting vibe because it was a 14-point game after Sam Darnold led one scoring drive, and there was like five minutes left, four and a half minutes left. We were getting nervous. And <laughs> it looked like the crowd had kind of gotten back into left. it. Well, they kind of, oh, really? Well, there were a number. I mean, it looked like empty seats. Okay. But you're, th- you're looking like oh, it's a two-score game, and there's like four and a half minutes left. The Ravens have like a third and eight. Like, this game is not over. (laughs) But, like, it feels like they're down by 30. But, like, it's not. I'm interested when, if ever, the crowd felt like the Niners were in this game. It it just felt like an entirely emotionless, lifeless game. And I can't really blame the crowd for that. I mean, it's it's the play of the 49ers that led to that. Um, But this was kind of a weird game because it felt like they were down by 30, but the game was not close to over yet. Even when they were down by four, it felt like the crowd just wasn't involved. I don't know if it was the Purdy interceptions that you just kind of sat back and said, it's going to be one of those days at the office where you're like, nothing's going to go right. What's the point of even getting involved in the game? It's not like the NBA where you know your team's down by 20, but you hit a couple of threes and you're back in the game. No, it felt like San Francisco had to march. 99 yards, even though it was only 75. It felt like they had to fight tooth and nail to get five yards out of the passing game or seven from the running game. And sure, there were some chunk plays here or there. What I I think Debo caught one probably 15, Kiddo caught one for like 35 or 40 once in this game. Like there were some big plays on on the half of San Francisco, but it just felt like 
they would get there. Then it would be a second and seven, then a third and five, then a punt. They really couldn't sustain momentum even when it felt like they were getting it back. It was just like the Ravens make a stop, receiver drops a pass, the drive's over. Then you had Mitch Wisnowski out there punting balls downfield and saying, you know what? I'm going to take some shots when the guy's out of bounds, and I'm going to make someone feel some pain today. If no one else is going to tackle, I'm going to tackle. Yeah, I mean, it was bad all the way around for the 49ers. You could you could point to some mistakes on special teams uh, as well, on, on offense and defense as well. Uh, bad all the way around for the San Francisco 49ers uh, in this one. They fall against the Baltimore Ravens at home here on Christmas night, 33-19. to was the final score. Brock Purdy threw four interceptions, did not get into the end zone at all, either on the ground or through the air. The only touchdowns for the 49ers were Christian McCaffrey and Ronnie Bell. Ronnie Bell caught the touchdown from Sam Darnold, and that was it for the 49ers. All right, let's go out to the phone lines here to close up this segment. Let's go to Ricky in Dallas. What's up, Ricky? You're on overtime with Grandy and Sterling here on 95-7 The Game. Ricky, what stood out to you from this Diners loss tonight? Um, the, the abandonment of the run. And the reason why I say that, because if we look at statistically, we ran the ball 13 times. We, we have the, the number one running back in the game in the league right now. This game honestly felt to me almost like the Super Bowl when we should have closed it out running the ball, but we kept throwing it. And the, I don't blame Brock Purdy on the, the ball that bounced off a kiddo. I don't blame him on the ball that the Stevens guy tipped it off. I do blame him on the first one in the end zone. But my my main issue is our first touchdown was we basically ran the ball. So I'm more mad at Kyle. Like, why did you not take the ball out of Brock Purdy's hand for a minute? Let our guys run the ball. Because literally what they were doing was they sent four people and they dropped everybody back in coverage. And they were like, okay, yeah, we want you to throw. We'll just, we'll just put our linebackers back a little bit further. So, therefore, even if you've completed it, we're, we're, they're back there. We should have been running the ball more, make them bring everybody up, and then hit them with um, uh, play-action passes. But for us to only commit to 13 running plays from CMC, that's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, Ricky, uh, McCaffrey did run 14 times technically, not that much better, but did have an extra rush there, 14 for 103, and got into the end zone. He was the reason you scored that touchdown. It was the McCaffrey nine-yard touchdown run at the very end of the first half, but he set that up with a 39-yard run to get all the way down inside the 10-yard line, Um, and, and that's a big reason why McCaffrey had any kind of numbers in this game was that drive alone. It was a little more difficult, I think, for the 49ers in the second half because you get behind by 11 and you get behind by 18, still relatively early in the half. But at that point, you're kind of forced to be pass heavy, which could still be an issue for the 49ers. And we've talked about their their offensive scheme and plan, which kind of gets handicapped when the defense knows that you're only going to throw the ball and the Niners passing offense isn't quite uh, good enough at times, perhaps to kind of combat that when the defense knows what's coming. We can get into that. I think good points, Ricky. I know Sterling, you were a little upset that Niners didn't run the ball on their first drive of the game. I was angry. 
Uh, you were angry, although it was working with George Kittle on that first drive. They got all the way down into the red zone. Until it wasn't. Until it wasn't. <laughs> then an interception, and the rest is history. But we can talk about the, the plan offensively as well for the 49ers in this game, and hopefully we'll catch up with Low Neal coming up on the other side as well. He was out at Levi's. That's coming up on the other side. We've got one hour left of overtime here on 95-7 of the game. It's Grandy and Sterling reacting to a 33-19 Niners loss to the Ravens. More overtime next right here on 95-7 the game. First down, inches inside the 38. This one is batted into the air and into the arms of Humphrey. And it was Stevens who went up to knock it and get the assist on the interception, second of the night for the Ravens. Now back to overtime with Sterling Bennett and Mark Grandy on 95.7 The Game. And that was one of four interceptions thrown by Brock Purdy tonight. Sam Darnold would throw one other. So five total interceptions thrown by Niners quarterbacks tonight. And that was the second one of the night. Batted up at the line of scrimmage. Picked off by uh, the, the, the Ravens. Turned into some points as well. They scored 10 points off of 49ers turnovers early in this game. And they rode it to a 33-19 win over the San Francisco 49ers. Welcome back to overtime here on 95.7 The Game. Mark Randy and Sterling Bennett with you. And now let's go out to a special guest with Ooh. us here. Uh, he was down in Santa Clara. You heard him earlier today, of course, uh, on the kickoff show with Larry Kruger from the Hilton Santa Clara right outside uh, Levi Stadium down there in Santa Clara. And now he's nice enough to join us here on Christmas night on overtime. It's Lorenzo Neal, one of the all-time great fullbacks in the NFL. Lowe joins us here on overtime. Lowe, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Thanks for coming on. How you doing tonight? Great, guys. Thanks, Mark and Sterling. Let me jump in on the show and crash the show Christmas night, man. Appreciate you guys, man. Dude, I'm doing like you guys, wondering what the and and who where to pass the blame. And uh, it was interesting just watching the stadium, how electric it was, and the fans, they couldn't wait for it to erupt. And you saw them on the edge of their seats pretty much all night. But, guys, I, it's several things. I was talking earlier, you know, on the show, on the pregame show, and I was telling Krugs, I said, he's like, oh, this game's going to be one-sided. I said, because they lost the running back. And I said, but Lamar Jackson, he is the remedy, the reason why these backs are having success. It's because of Lamar Jackson. And I said, this MVP talk, if you think about MVP, tonight they said there was three guys in for, up for the MVP, Lamar Jackson, Purdy, and, of course, McCaffrey. And all you hear is all Purdy has to do is play well tonight, he wins the MVP. The pressure and all those things, I think it just mounted. I think this. I think the Niners are a better team. I think that you have a guy that I've been coached by, Hardball. I'm telling you, Hardball is the man that told those guys, look, we got the MVP on our team. They don't know what's going to hit them. We're going to come in here. We've got to have skin like an armadillo. Guys, if we play our game, they're not, we're not going to back down. The Baltimore Ravens are bullies. They're tough. They're physical. They play like the Niners. You saw Purdy at times hold onto the ball. And that's all they would – Baltimore said, let's make him hold on to the ball. Let's make him go to a second and third read. Like you guys are saying, let's drop some linebackers in the coverage. And now the pressure will be. They were getting home with four. But when the, when the Niners are rolling, it's off play action, and the run game is going well. And when you don't do that with the Niners, they're not good enough up front on offense. 
guys take turns getting beat on the offensive line. This is not a great offensive line. Of course, Trent is elite, and he's probably the best tackle in the league. But if you watch the game, go watch how they said, okay, look, let's plaster these guys, let's hold them, and then let Purdy then beat you. And he can't do that. If Purdy has to go seven-step drop, that's not his fault because now you know the offensive line can hold up. The Niners are at its best when play action and moving the ball around. And now teams by design, they can't just pin their ears back. And that's what makes this offense go, in my opinion. Low, uh, you're saying all these things about Brock Purdy and, and what he can't do uh, our YouTube chat tonight has been very vocal about, you know, Jimmy G and how this feels similar to the 2019 team where everything's going great and all of a sudden late in the year the wheels kind of start to fall off. You're still winning games, but maybe not as dominant as you once were and the quarterback becomes a much larger conversation. After a game like this for Brock Purdy, one, how do you think he bounces back against Washington? But two, do you, you think we've seen more of that game manager style, which I don't think is always the worst label to put next to a quarterback, but what do you say to fans who point to Jimmy G as this is the exact same story all over again? No, but see, Jimmy couldn't make the throws. If Jimmy could make the throws, he would still be here. Trey Lance couldn't make the throws. Yes, this is a system quarterback. Yes, this is a, a good system, but Purdy executes the system better than those two quarterbacks. Let's not be mistaken. You have to realize, when you think about the Miami Dolphins, who's going to be MVP now? Look at Tua. Look at Tua. Look at Green Bay. Look at the Rams. Look around the league. Look at the teams that comes from Cal Shanahan's disciples are in that type of offense. You look at the Houston Texans. They're still in it. Rain the same type of offense. Go look at the teams that are high-efficient offense. They run this offense. So, yes, the system, it is a system, but you have to execute it because every team has a system. But this system happened to be more quarterback-friendly. So when they say Brock is a system quarterback, every quarterback in the league is a system quarterback. Lamar Jackson is a system quarterback, but guys can't run that system like Lamar Jackson. So you look at Brock Purdy, he's running this system excellent. But today was a night where all the lights were here, and it was bright, and Purdy, Purdy blinked. Can't, why can't we just chalk this up as – Here's a guy, why when Sam Darnold came in, one, two, three, he let it go. He was throwing it to the spot, letting it go, but then when he had to go seven-step drop and had to hold onto the ball a little longer, the pressure came. Brock held onto the ball too early in the game, didn't have enough play action, different design to get him, you know, the run guys open. So, yes, I just think that this was a game that Purdy put too much pressure on himself. It was not necessarily what Baltimore did. That one throw, the first interception to Debo, he throws that back shoulder. That's an easy touchdown. Now you're now now he's had success, and then he starts pressing. Yes, a couple of those balls were batted down. The one that he threw to Kittle, he was trying to force things. So he what did Brock usually do? He usually don't turn a bad play into a worse play. What does he usually do in those situations? He'll throw it away, throw it out of bounds, or take the sack. Tonight he was trying to force things because everyone and their mother, all the media, all the talking heads were talking about. Whoever plays better tonight is the MVP.
Yeah, it's a lot of pressure for, on a young quarterback. Lorenzo Neal with us here on overtime on 95-7. The game you hear, Lorenzo, of course, uh, pregame every Niners game on the kickoff show here on 95-7. The game, low, um, obviously a little surprised at Brock Purdy's four interceptions game, but maybe more surprised by the fact that it just felt like the Ravens' defense knew what Kyle Shanahan and the Niners' offense was trying to do before they did it time and time again tonight. Uh, I mean, you got to credit. John Harbaugh and that entire Ravens defensive staff, and of course their player is very talented, but every time the Niners tried one of their patented little screens out in the flat to Debo or to McCaffrey, or just quick hitters to get five, six, seven yards to stay in front of the, the sticks, the Ravens knew it was coming. How impressed were you with the Ravens' defense? Obviously not missing tackles and keeping the stars in front of them, but it just felt like they suffocated the 49ers' creativity on offense, which normally they're able to, to, to beat opponents with. Yeah, they really did. They just were playing. They said, look, we know we can get home with four. When you look at the Ravens' front four, they said, we're going to make Purdy hold onto the ball. We're going to sit and play coverage, and we're going to come after him. And we're going to think that we know that we're going to win some one-on matchups. And that's what they were able to do. I think Harbaugh had those guys ready to play. But this was the Ravens, them against the world. Everyone said, hey, the Niners are winning this. Everyone talked about, hey, this is the Niners to lose. This is the, They're the best team in the NFL, which I still believe they are. But you have to realize, to, to a man, the Ravens felt like they're the underdogs. They said, hey, look, no one's giving us a chance. They, got, they came in wanting this game more, and you saw it. They actually played better than the Niners, and, and that shouldn't have happened. What did Shanahan tell guys this whole week? He said, we need to be ready to play right after the national anthem. He told that. You heard Kittle say it in the press conference before the game, you know, all week long. He said, Shanahan's preaching. We got to be ready to play right when the anthem because you were playing a bully tonight. Baltimore Ravens, I've been with John Harbaugh. I know the kind of coach, and I know the message that he sends to those guys. This is a team that has some resiliency. This is a team that believes that they're tough, and they have a Superman with a cape. And you know Lamar Jackson, he's not a great thrower, but what he can do by buying time, look at the play. Defense didn't play bad tonight, guys. It was Lamar Jackson breaking the play, still having the, the forewithal to stay behind the line of scrimmage, and a receiver breaking loose on a broken play for big plays. It wasn't consistent offense. It was Lamar Jackson's ability to extend plays and have big plays down the field or kept throwing it to a back and him able to make a guy miss and take it to, you know, a big play. So they just wanted it more than the Niners. And I'm telling you, to me, Purdy, the stage got big. for This was the first time I saw this guy blink because he was trying. I think that all the, all the talk and all everything was around him, I thought that played a lot of, I thought that played a big factor in this loss tonight. If the stage was too big for Purdy, or let's say he blinked for the first time in his young career, what is to make people not think he won't blink come playoff time, or maybe even blink in the Super Bowl low? I, I think this is the best thing that could have happened to Niners. You know why? Because now this MVP is out. Now everything's talking about MVP. It wasn't everyone's no one was talking about necessarily a Super Bowl. I know you guys are, and we're talking about, okay, we know the end game, but it was about MVP. Here's an unpretty much Mr. Irrelevant MVP. Who's going to do it? Look at his efficiency. Everything, and it's hard. I know this guy says the right thing. Purdy's a leader. He says the right thing. He won't make any excuses. That's just who he is. But I'm telling you guys, I think that this was the best thing for them because, hey, look, they got a tough schedule. Not the commanders, but I'm going to tell you, when you look at the Rams, the Rams are playing just like the 49ers. They're running the ball. They're physical. 
They got two good receivers. They got a good running game. They're playing. Their quarterback's playing at a high level. The Rams may be the hottest team in the NFC right now. Uh, Lorenzo Neal with us here on Overtime on 95.7 The Game Low. A couple more, and then we'll we'll get you out of here on Christmas night. Thanks so much for coming on. You look at the, the Niners' schedule now and who their losses are to. You have a loss in Cleveland. You have a loss, of course, to Minnesota. Also Cincinnati and now Baltimore. So three of your four losses are against teams in the, uh, in the AFC North. Um, not necessarily an AFC North issue, but what do teams in the AFC North do? Generally, they're really good defensively, and they wear you down at the line of scrimmage, and they're physical, and, 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 and they beat you up. Do the 49ers have a little bit of a problem against those kinds of teams? I know they want to be one those kinds of teams, and they have been that kind of team in the past. The fact that three of their four losses are against that style of team, Lo, is there any bit of concern that the Niners might not be able to handle that kind of physicality? Well, I think the biggest concern to me is to being able to block when you have to. I think the biggest concern for the Niners in this organization, I think they understand that if they're behind, by 14 or 20 or whatever it may be, and you have to go seven-step drop, and you can't necessarily go play action, can the offensive line hold up consistency with consistency? And that's the biggest question mark to me. And I think that's why they have to play for in front. That's why they have to keep games tight, because if you can, if you let the Niners stay multidimensional, they're the best team in football. The biggest question to me, and like I said, is the offensive line being able to be consistent when you have to drop seven-step drop. Can they do that with consistency? And I have not seen that when they're behind against an opponent. That's the biggest question mark I think this offense has to address and has to be more consistent because of the fact that could happen again. Well, you mentioned the Rams kind of playing at a equal pace to San Francisco at this very moment, and the Rams played the Ravens just a few weeks ago. And – L.A. ran the football 25 times for 114 yards with Kyron Williams. Now, young running back having a really good season. Uh, I would like to think he is not at least yet on the level of Christian McCaffrey. And you look at what San Francisco did tonight now playing from behind. You have to pass the ball more. But early in this game, it felt like Christian McCaffrey really wasn't part of the game plan. Only touched the ball a total of 20 times tonight, 14 of those being on the ground. Uh, in a copycat league, seeing an offense like or a Shanahan offense like McVay's in L.A., why wouldn't Shanahan try to do what seemed to work against the Ravens like the Rams did? Yeah, and, and you saw that. The, the Rams had a chance to beat the Ravens, and they had they went to Baltimore, where Baltimore's pretty un, much unbeatable. The Rams took them toe-to-toe. Um, I think that Shanahan does a lot trying to protect McCaffrey. I think when you look at Cal Shanahan, the way that he understands, he wants this guy ready to go in the playoffs. I think guys when the playoffs and now from here on out, I think he's going to, I think that you'll see this guy ride McCaffrey a lot more, get him involved more, give him the ball more because right now he's like, look, can I, can we afford to have something happen to McCaffrey right now in some of these games? I think that now that you're playing for home field advantage and now you're getting ready to go into playoffs. I think that now you're going to see them use McCaffrey running the ball even more and you'll see them get him involved in this offense more because you're absolutely right. You should have McCaffrey heavily involved in your offense, but I think the way this offense is structured and the, how, how they can move the ball around and how they have so many more, all these different weapons, that's why I believe that Shanahan has the luxury not to use McCaffrey 
in Dyer's need all the time, especially because it's a long season. All right. Good stuff, Lo. Appreciate you taking some time out of your Christmas night and joining us here on Overtime. Thanks so much, and we look forward to uh, hearing your takes again on the kickoff show coming up next weekend. No worries, guys. Cheers. You guys do a great job. Love listening to you. All right. Thanks, Thanks Lo. Lo. Happy holidays. Uh, appreciate Lo Neal, as always. Of course, one of the best fullbacks in NFL history. She'll be a Hall of Famer for my money, but Lo Neal, the great Lo Neal, joining us here on the kickoff or on overtime. You can hear him on the kickoff show on 95.7 The Game. As we continue, it's Mark Randy and Sterling Bennett with you. And Sterling, maybe the most interesting thing that Lo said is, he felt like this was the best thing that could have happened to the 49ers and Brock Purdy. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, Fred Warner, Week 10, saying we learned our lesson. Maybe they learned their lesson once again. But more specifically, as it relates to Brock Purdy, Low Neal saying it's for the first time we've seen him blink and the pressure of the MVP race in addition to the number one overall seed. So much riding on this game, maybe a little bit more individually than team-wide for Brock Purdy. Yeah. And now a loss, a bad performance. By my estimation, out of the MVP running entirely, maybe it allows Brock Purdy to just kind of take a deep breath, calm down, reset, and say, hey, MVP would have been nice. But that's an individual award. Everything we as a team set out to accomplish is still ahead of us, and maybe it allows you to kind of narrow your vision and your focus just a little bit. And maybe this is something that the Niners look back on and say, well, we needed that lesson to happen if we were going to take another step forward. Do you really think that the MVP conversation got to Brock Purdy? It might have. I mean, this dude's a second-year <sighs> pro. Second-year just... pro who's on the doorstep. Entering week 16 of the NFL season is the odds-on favorite to win the MVP. And now you have the Baltimore Ravens, one of the best defenses in the NFL, 11-3 yep. versus 11-3, Christmas night game. Everyone and their moms is watching this game, even if they don't <laughs> want to, across homes in the United States. This is a really big deal. Now, Brock Purdy hasn't ever blinked or flinched before, right? but it, I don't think it would be totally wild to think that this was maybe the breaking point not not in a way that that ruins him as a quarterback moving right. forward yeah. but maybe just hurts you for this one night but why not blink against the eagles at the link yeah, like, 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 like of all the games that one yeah, makes like you're going back to the scene of the crime when you're tearing your ucl but you were an mvp was, favorite i mean right but i don't know and, and maybe that goes back into being an underdog like Really great teams embrace the identity of their quarterback. Uh, Brock Purdy being the ultimate underdog. If anyone's not supposed to be here, not supposed to be in the MVP conversation, not supposed to be in the number one seat of the NFC conversation, it certainly is Brock Purdy. And I think this team does need to embrace that underdog mentality. But I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time believing the noise got to Brock Purdy. I don't think... So what's your explanation? Just a bad game? Honestly, I think... Ravens? So when you're prepared for something, you're pretty confident going into it, right? And and, and sometimes, which maybe was tonight, you get prepared and all of a sudden you're like, this is not going how it was supposed to go. Your system gets shocked and you're like, I don't know how to function. I don't think that was this. I think the game plan that Kyle Shanahan put together, the Ravens had an answer for it every single time. They knew what was coming. <laughs> and I do think that, now, decision-making is not always, like, Brock Purdy's decision-making is usually 
his fault. Usually it's what we praise him for, right? I do think in this game, Shanahan deserves a lot of the blame. Because the offense, you could give McVay these weapons, they put up 31 points. His offense put up 31 points. Like, Shanahan can have a clunker, that, that's okay, right? Like, everybody has a bad game. You go back and watch 2021, Shanahan even said, we were trying the new quarterback thing, it didn't work, I was out of rhythm, we got into it late, obviously we know how it ends, right? It just felt like in this game, there wasn't a rhythm, and I do think the game plan Shanahan had just wasn't good enough. Well, at 2019, end of the season, they lost at home to the Falcons. Oh, yeah. Kittle fumbles, Brita gets benched. Never saw him a, again. <laughs> that was a bad Falcons team. <laughs> Never saw him again. That was again. the team that went to the Super Bowl. That was a yeah. team that didn't need to throw the ball to, to advance to the Super Bowl. Oh, and they God. lost at home when they were still fighting for the number one seed. I think they had, similar to this game, they had like a, a game advantage and they had a little bit of room. Over the Saints? At the top. Hmm? It was over the Saints? The win over the Saints. But no, like, help them didn't out. Didn't they have a one game advantage over the Saints for the number oh, one seed? Yeah. But they were also fighting for the division yeah, because the, the Seahawks were right there. So that loss hurt. Yeah, they desperately wanted that one. But a late season loss in the in the Shanahan era has happened before. When you're rolling, you're absolutely on fire. You're on top of the world. You're the best team in the NFL. This sort of thing has happened before. But this was way more ugly than some of the other late season issues. Yeah, I mean, would you rather lose to a really good team on Christmas Day or lose to a bad Falcons team? I guess is the question I'm going to ask. Really good team? You're at, like, this loss in retrospect, I think in a month when we're in the playoffs, we'll say, we lost to a good team. It sucks. It stinks. The quarterback didn't play well. The game plan wasn't great. The defense didn't tackle anybody. And we just didn't get it done. And I think it's it, now it's easier to say that when you're winning games afterwards but I think San Francisco has two games in front of them they can win. And I think they if they don't beat the Commanders by 20 points, you're going to hear me yelling on these airwaves. That Commanders team you is... You don't believe in Sam Howell? He got benched twice in the past two weeks. It's Jacoby Brissett now. Curtis Samuel? <laughs> Terry McLaurin? And both those guys cost me a fantasy game this week, so I'm out on them completely. Mm. I'm done. Scary Terry? Not scared of you no more, buddy. Wow. But I think these next two games, Washington against the uh, what's also Chase Young revenge game, mind you. But also, Rams, I mean, I know you can say you're scared of the Rams. We at least have their number come the regular season. <laughs> and I do think that that is a game San Francisco was definitely going to get up for. Like, you asked me earlier, like, do you think San Francisco kind of had a Christmas Day lull, right? It just wasn't in, it wasn't in the cards, right? Too much ham and potatoes last no, night. I had ham and potatoes during halftime, and it was delicious. Thanks, Mom. Um, but, but, by, but, but I think for that game, week 18, you can guarantee they are going to get Debo Samuel hates the Rams. I do didn't even play against the Rams in week what, three this year. Week two, right? Whatever, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Week two, whatever it was. Week two. This team wants to crush the Rams. And I think once you beat the next two teams, you go into the playoffs, you have a bye. We're sitting there, whether we're playing, I don't know, the Seahawks, maybe it's the Rams again, who knows, come round two of the playoffs, we are not going to ever think of this game again. That's the goal. And that, that's the hope, right? But I do think you are not going to play a quarterback in the league right now that is like Lamar Jackson. You never have to play him again, maybe. Did this game tonight, did it kind of 
revitalize your fear of playing mobile quarterbacks because the 49ers had had kind of, I don't know, fought back against that idea, that fear a little bit this year. I mean, Jalen Hurts isn't, he's a good runner, but he's really pulled back on actually running. He does the tush push and he gets rushing touchdowns that way, like every single game, sometimes multiple times a game but he doesn't really take off and run like he did the first couple of year, uh, years of his career or like he did at Oklahoma or at Alabama. He's not that much of a mobile quarterback. The Niners haven't – I mean, Kyler Murray last week only hurt the Niners with what, like that one yard run, didn't really do anything else on the ground. Lamar Jackson is a different beast and has always been a different beast as a runner, as a quarterback, um, and the Niners – were hurt by him they weren't gashed by him he didn't like have 100 yards on the ground but in in the big moments when you needed a third down stop when you you had a second and 10 chance to get a sack and really put the Ravens behind the line of scrimmage he just kind of calmly evaded the pressure extended the play maybe picked up seven yards with his legs or through to Zay Flowers or Isaiah Likely his tight end who's replacing Mark Andrews and got a first down like this game kind of Kind of maybe scares you for 49er fans when you're when you're trying to, I don't know, gauge the team's ability to, to slow down mobile quarterbacks. Because Lamar used his legs to really good effect tonight. I do think that, at least against Lamar, there is more of the conversation of, well, who doesn't he play He's well against? He's just special. Like, He's just like different. You're going to have a hard time guarding him or stopping him. No I mean, who are who the other are. mobile quarterbacks you could match up with in the postseason? Like, <sighs> Jalen is the most Jaylen's mobile. the only one, I think. Right? Like, Geno isn't mobile, really. Uh, Dak, not really. Biardi Jared played Goff, Baker. Not. He's not one. Like Matthew uh, Stafford, if that happens to have like, no. Like, it's really just Jalen and then Lamar. Like, even in the AFC, you have Mahomes, who is pretty mobile, which we've seen him plenty of times against San Francisco. Josh Allen, but you can only play one of those AFC teams right. anyway. So, like, so. you know, honestly, this year, I think I'd rather play Kansas City. But, <laughs> but Maybe. But I do think, like... You are not going to have to play Lamar again, hopefully, right? Like, you can avoid what might be your biggest weakness, a mobile and elusive quarterback. Like, I don't think Geno, for how mobile he might be, he ain't elusive. Stafford isn't elusive. Kyler is elusive a little bit, but off the ACL, isn't as elusive as he once was just a, a year ago, right? Like, Lamar is the unicorn of quarterbacks with his legs, and if you're San Francisco, you're hoping. Might be even praying. You got the candles lit and you're in a big circle saying, Lord, whoever you pray to, please don't let us play Lamar ever again because what happened tonight for only 45 rushing yards, Lamar put up 33 points against our defense. And if you don't have to play it again, maybe all your problems go away. Maybe. We'll see. Lamar Jackson, now the front runner to win MVP. You would imagine if, if the Ravens win their final two games, he will be the MVP this season in the NFL. All right, time for a break. We got one final segment left of overtime here on 95.7 The Game. If you want to call, get in now, 888-957-9570. It is late Christmas night, a little bit short-staffed, so apologize if you've been trying to call and we haven't gotten to your call. You can also shoot us a text, 888-957-9570. That's also the Comcast Business text line. And as always, we're keeping an eye on the YouTube chat. For now, though, we'll take a break. One final segment of overtime next. It's Grandy and Stur- with you right here on 95.7 The Game. Rocking around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party hop. 
Now back to Overtime with Sterling Bennett and Mark Grandy on 95.7 The Game. Happy holidays. Thanks for tuning in all night here on Overtime on 95.7 The Game. Mark Grandy and Sterling Bennett trying to uh, get some holiday spirit going after the 49ers suffer the tough loss on Christmas night to the Baltimore Ravens, 33-19. Appreciate you guys spending part of your holiday with us. Hope you had a nice extended weekend. Uh, maybe not even returning to work yet tomorrow as well. Hopefully get to spend, spend some time with your family uh, to help you uh, get over this 49ers loss today, 33-19 to against the Baltimore Ravens. As overtime continues... The YouTube chat is saying some inappropriate things. Oh, I got to get over to the YouTube chat. <laughs> I Oh! Well, it's not too inappropriate, but things I won't read on the air. Shout out to Raul. Yeah. (laughs) Getting into it on the YouTube It's very funny. If you want to check it out, because you're right, I'm not reading that. If you want to check it out, you can visit youtube.com slash 957 the game. We got 22 minutes left here of overtime on this uh, Monday special Christmas edition of overtime. Are Are you a big Monday Christmas guy? No. Why not? Christmas is best on like a Wednesday or a Thursday where you get the rest of the week off. You, you kind of have a three-day weekend, right? You get, you get Saturday, you get Sunday, you get yeah, Monday. I don't like – I like to not back. have to do anything the day after Christmas, too. We, you we know? have tomorrow off, right? I have to take it off. <laughs> you don't get it off. I mean, same. It's nice to have the weekend after uh, a national – gotcha. uh, you gotcha. know, a holiday. So, like, you're not treating this like a President's Day where you're like, okay, you get, you get Saturday, Sunday, Monday off, and you're back to school on Tuesday or back to work on Tuesday – here you want like a kind of like a Thanksgiving. You want Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I got you. Yep. Okay, okay, okay. No, I I am taking tomorrow off. I'm not working tomorrow, any, but any... I'm also working today on Christmas. You know, so <laughs> you got any big plans tomorrow? Oh, absolutely nothing. You gonna get drunk? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. <laughs> See, I'm heading back up to my family. Those you of you up north in Sonoma County. I'm driving back up right when the show gets gets over here in about 20 minutes. Uh, all my family's at home at my parents' place. We get up in the morning. Are pro- they listening right now? Are they, are, are they watching on the YouTube? It might be on YouTube. They're oh. probably sitting at the kitchen table I, playing like board games. I and it's, up. Pro- it's probably on in the background. Do they want some bread to go home with you, Mark? They've probably <laughs> muted us by now. It's probably still up because they're a very good supportive family. That's good. They're probably playing. We got we got like a bunch of board games at Christmas, oh. you know. So they're probably playing. The Uno guy. I I I love me some. I, mean, I like Uno. I guarantee you, they're not playing Uno. What are they playing then? Some backgammon. We got this really fun game um, called Hughes and Clues, what is where that? there's like a big a big board, okay, and it's just like a color grid, um, and you have like a clue giver and then everyone else trying to get with the clue giver is giving out. They have a, a, a color in front of them and they're okay. giving out like an object or a clue to try to get the other people to guess what color that they're trying. Okay. So you have a gigantic grid of colors. You have one person giving out like, if you have a, a the color yellow, it looks like a banana. You can say banana, and gotcha. everyone then tries to guess so, so, what color they're going. So for. if I, they might be playing that right now. You never know. So let's say we're playing right now. And I said, Brock Purdy, what would the color be? Oh, red. No, it'd be brown because he played like crap today. He's red because he's angry and frustrated okay, at himself. Okay, okay. And they're wearing the red throwbacks tonight, Sterling. Yeah, maybe they shouldn't have because you put a disgrace on those 1994 throwbacks. It's not a good thing. Yeah, when was the last time they lost in those jerseys? I don't know. It just. I feel like every time they brought them out, 
it feels like it's a Thursday night game in Seattle, first of all, and they win those games. So they they wore the white ones in Seattle, correct? And then they wore oh, this they, year. They wore the right. red ones against the Giants earlier this year. Week three, Thursday night football. I think I think they're undefeated in the throwbacks this year. They didn't wear them against the Browns. Didn't yeah. wear them against the Vikings. That's rough. Didn't wear them against the Bengals. They only wear them in the in the big moments. They wear them from the primetime games. And this was a big game. It was <laughs> very big game. <laughs> And they, oh, and they put together their worst performance of the season, all three phases. Don't you love it? Just come in here thinking, wow, Niners on Christmas? I can't wait. It's going to be the best Christmas ever. And then you're like, I wish they never play Christmas <laughs> ever again. The Warriors <laughs> lost this morning, and the Niners lose tonight. Like, the, Bay is, is, the Bay is hurting. I'm hurting. I had to work both those games and talk about both of them. Yeah, I mean, at least the Giants signs. Oh, wait, never mind. Hey, hey, you need to put some respect on Tom Murphy's name. Backup catcher. Who? Joey Bart's going to be gone, so that's always a good thing. Um, <laughs> Yeah, okay. This has gone off the rails. <laughs> it's overtime here on 95.7 The Game. Mark Randy and Sterling Bennett with you. Uh, a lot to be upset about if you're a 49er fan, 33-19. to 19. But I'm wondering, those of you on the YouTube chat, you can hit us up on the Comcast Business text line, 888-957-9570. Is there any part of you that thinks, as Low Neal said, not just Brock Purdy related, but and I guess the two kind of go hand in hand. You kind of go as your quarterback goes, but specifically for the 49ers, is there a real possibility that we look back at this game and feel like this was kind of just the the kick in the backside that that the team needed at this moment to kind of catapult them further even more? Is this a moment where you feel like, all right, it's a loss? It was embarrassing on national television. We played our our worst game of the season. Um, but it didn't cost us the division. We've already had that wrapped up. It, it still has a very decent possibility of not costing you the number one seed. You win your final two games and you get in. You could split your final two, and with some help, you could still be the one seed. Is there a possibility that this loss turns into something that you think back on and say, well, maybe the team needed it. If they didn't lose that game in the way that they did, maybe the season would have ended in a more painful way. So when I was a child, I wasn't Whoa. well, sorry. <laughs> I wasn't spanked very often, you know? I wasn't given the good old wooden spoon very often, but I felt like if I had to get it for the same issue more than once, I was considered a problem child or it was an issue I had to take care Uh-oh. of. Oh, so Niners are the problem child is well, what you're saying. That's what I'm getting at is that for San Francisco, you kind of went through a three-game stretch where you had some of the same issues over and over and over again and they got spanked three times in a row, right? Or in in various ways, they got spanked, right? They got the wooden spoon against the Vikings, against the Browns, and then against the Bengals. Then, okay, you know, they got their, their shirts all buttoned up. They got the come over all good to go. And, and they're all, oh, hi, Mom, hi, Dad. Oh, I'm such a great child. And then six games later, it's like, I want to act up again. And teacher's yelling at me, and the boss is getting mad at me again, and all of a sudden I have to get re-spanked for a lesson I didn't learn or or, or I, I thought I learned six weeks ago. If it's the same issues over and over again, at that point, is it an Achilles heel? Is it just a you problem? I kind of think it is. Like, I think this is a San Francisco, I don't want to say identity defensively, but it's been four games this year. Dare I say it's been six games this year. It's hurt you even in some wins. Right. So, like, this yeah. is just simply 
who they are. Like, when you do a preview for a game and say, how can you beat your opponent? This is how. You don't tackle. Now, the Purdy turnovers are different, but you don't tackle. You can't stop a team on the ground, and you turn the ball over in the red zone. Like, that's, it's been five, four games now where it's crushed them in losses in six games where it hasn't killed them, but it's certainly hurt them. I think the other thing that maybe you could point to, to to being characteristic of the 49ers and not just a fluke, not just a, a flash in the pan here or there, is the 49ers offense inability to, I don't want to say come back, but inability to be effective when trailing in second halves. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. Because it's, it's something that just seems so, like, intrinsic to the Kyle Shanahan plan and the philosophy. And it, this conversation was obviously bigger during the three-game losing streak when the 49ers would fall behind. The reason they would fall behind is turnovers yeah. and missed tackles. You fall behind. You're down by 14 points midway through the third quarter. All right, you got to go out and score. What's the offense going to do? Well, the defense is a little bit more wary of the pass now because you're down by double digits in the second half. What makes the Shanahan offense so good and difficult and frustrating to defend? It's because they make passes look like runs and make runs look like passes. So when the defense is in a true 50-50 situation and they have to respect both and you have a quarterback that can take the top off the defense and you have weapons that can go over the top, and defense, defenses have to respect that. But you also have Christian McCaffrey in the run game running behind Trent Williams on the left, and you pick up eight yards of carry on the ground, and you've got Debo Samuel and end of rounds, and you can make everything look the same, but no matter what they do, they're going to be effective in that. That's what makes the Niners' offense so incredibly difficult to plan for. But when you're down 14 in the second half and the defense can, you know, maybe – Drop back a few more guys. They feel like the pass is coming. Maybe the Niners run still here and there a little bit. You're not going to totally abandon it in that situation down 14 with more than a whole quarter to go. But you're going to lean a little bit more heavy to the pass. Defenses know it's coming. They're not biting. They're not confused by, you know, that misdirection, by by the scheme, by Shanahan's genius of making a run look like a pass and making a pass look like a run because they're just sitting home and waiting for the pass because they feel like that's what's going to have to happen for them to lose this game. Do the 49ers find themselves in a situation where they are really, really, really stinking good at football, the most talented team in the NFL, but if for whatever reason you make a mistake early, you miss a tackle, and it, it turns into a touchdown the other way, and suddenly your things go poorly to begin, and you're looking at a 13-3 to deficit. Is that just not game over, but is that like nightmare scenario for the 49ers? Because they haven't shown a propensity to be able to come from behind by a couple of scores in second halves of games. Is that, is that something that scares the Niners moving forward? Maybe I'm just misremembering, but have they come back from behind in the fourth quarter at all this year? Not against Pittsburgh, not against the Giants, not against the Rams, not against the Cowboys. They were down late in the first half against the Rams. But but halftime tied it up, right? Yes. It just feels like it's not that they can't. They have all the talent. Now, Purdy did... 
put together a a, a would be go ahead uh, the Browns game winning touchdown or field goal drive against the Browns, but the, the kick was missed. But yeah, I mean that's like a couple point game. That's not not really what mm. I'm talking about. It's when the when you're down by fourteen and you need two touchdowns in a quarter, can you get it done to at least tie it? Yeah. Because it feels like bad teams are doing that. Now, no, that, it's against that bad is teams. But... generally a difficult thing to do, and yeah. I'm not saying it should happen every single time. Right. But, I mean, how many times is there – I mean, Mahomes is a bad example this year because their offense is just so bad. But how many times would Mahomes find himself in that situation? Josh yeah. Allen find himself in that situation. Hell, even the Eagles this year. And the Eagles aren't a great football team. We right. can both agree – how many times do they come from behind late and and win games when they're down by multiple scores See, throughout a game? Is is that more of a not a player issue, not a Purdy issue, not a CMC or Debo issue? Is that a if the game plan ain't working, Shanahan ain't deviating, and we're just gonna lose this game? I honestly think it's more of a scheme and a game plan thing. And what makes the Niners scheme with Shanahan so good? is when you're in that true 50-50 zone. Yeah. Defenses have to account for every blade of grass on the field. I mean, we saw it against Philadelphia. Shanahan's fist-pumping prior to the ball being called a touchdown to Brandon Ayuk in yeah. the end zone. Tonight, it felt like every cutaway was Shanahan cursing at the refs or yelling at a player. He's like at Purdy. Literally, like, he's covering up his, his, his face when he's talking to Purdy because I'm sure he's yelling at him, screaming at him, and giving him all the, you know, the, the words you can't see on, on, on radio, he's right? He's covering his mouth with his laminated play sheet. Yeah, you which, can just don't forget imagine, the laminate, mind you, but... Imagine what he's muttering under his breath. Like, it did, like San Francisco's issues, whether it was in 2019, 2021... Yes, those teams are much more limited than this team is offensively and even defensively to a certain degree. It does feel like they all go back to the head of the table, their tribal chief, which is Kyle Shanahan. That while Shanahan isn't, you know, he isn't the most stubborn guy in the book, but we've seen him try to outsmart somebody and just fall flat on his face. We've seen him stick to a game plan too long and like tonight. Why did CMC not touch the ball outside of the first play of the game that was considered a rushing play? It was a backwards pass. And then after that, didn't touch the ball until the second drive. Like, you're in in the red zone. Give it to CMC. I think they later changed that, and it became an official run or an official uh, pass. Okay. But... Like, you're in the red zone. You have a guy that can get you six yards of pop, and you're like, I'm going to throw it, which... Had Purdy made that pass in the last game, it's probably a touchdown. Now, to be fair, the passing game was working on that first drive. I mean, it, was. it was Kittle over the middle for like 40-something yards. It was, but sometimes it's like when it's working, that that's cool and all, but like, don't forget you have the best running back in the entire league by a wide, wide margin. Well, it's something else that Lo Neal said when he joined us 45 minutes ago, and if you missed any portion of that, Lo Neal, of course, who does the kickoff show with us here on 95-7 the game. He was at Levi Stadium tonight. Go back and find it if you're on YouTube. Seek back 45 minutes. It'll be there. It'll also be up on on, our, on the Odyssey app in just a little bit when we get done here in about 10 minutes. Um, but he said that he thinks now Kyle Shanahan's at a point where he's going to kind of ride Christian McCaffrey but why does until it take the wheels it? fall off. Like, why I does mean, it take this long? It's We're 15 games in. I mean, we, we spent a lot of time talking about this uh, this season, and maybe this was a game – where you want him to to go to his horses a little bit more than usual. 
The 49ers are playing to win a Super Bowl. They're planning on playing deep into February. Like, right, but if you get this game, you, gotta try, you can try rest. to save some guys. I, I get that. And I, I understand that this is your toughest opponent remaining in your schedule. And the, by far the most physical. And if, but if you win this game, you're saying, oh, the Rams, who cares? Like, but week 18 means nothing. Now, then you get into a different conversation about it's too much rest an issue, right? You have yeah. two weeks off, okay. And maybe that was a conversation Kyle Shanahan had with himself and maybe the coaching staff. <laughs> I like to think that wasn't one they had. But and even if they did have the conversation, there's zero chance they came away with the conclusion of, <laughs> all right, you know what? We want to avoid that situation. Let's lose to the right. Ravens on purpose. <laughs> but even like, <laughs> r- right. And like, But you dive into this game, like looking at the Ravens' defense, everybody knows you can run against them. This year alone, they rank 23rd against the run when having five cornerbacks, five defensive backs on the field. They usually play in the nickel. It's kind of their base defense. Run up the middle against them. And you rank 23rd. Now, the offensive line wasn't great tonight. I totally understand that. There are some injuries. Like, Burford is playing right tackle. He didn't start the game. Trent Williams gets hurt. Jalen Moore is out there. Then he gets hurt. The interior wasn't great. It happens, right? But you have to find a way to feed CMC. If if Purdy ain't the MVP and Chris McCaffrey's in that conversation, you got to get him the ball some way. Like, Nickelback some way, somehow, my friend. Get Brock Purdy the ball. Or, excuse me, get CMC the ball. You think that changes the outcome of this game? Or at least... I can guarantee you they ain't got 19 points. They probably got 24. That's not, that's not a lot more, but it's something. Yeah. Like, and if it, I mean... That's a nine-point game with... Sam Donald on the field. That was kind of weird. Yeah. Is it weird that Darnold stayed in at the end? I think it was like, hey, Purdy, you good? Yeah, I mean, I'm okay. But, like, okay, then just sit out. I'm done. You throw him four picks. Like, just, We'll get him next week. I don't think it was like a, you know, good old Sammy D out there hey, slinging that you thing. You better be careful, Brock. Look over your shoulder. You know who's coming. It's the Red Rifle Jr., brother. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, a few minutes left of overtime here on 95.7 The Game. Uh, let's wrap it up as we always do with uh, some game balls. Um, thinking about this one at the last break, Sterling, I have really no clue who I'm going to give game balls to. Santa Claus? The Grinch? Uh, maybe the Grinch. A little more fitting. Jim Carrey's Grinch or uh, what's the other guy's name? The, the animated one. Oh, I forget. Benedict Cumberbatch is the Grinch. I'm out on that guy. Oh no, not that one. There's no. the older animated one, like, which is the best of all of them. Um, huh? There's an older yeah, animated. I, I, I got that, but the best one? Yes. Def- better than better def- than. Definitely not Benedict Cumberbatch. You think it's better than Jim Carrey? I like Jim Carrey's Grinch, but the older yeah. animated one is the best. Come oh. on, it's a classic. Okay, we are on. Different wavelengths, my friend. I can quote that entire movie. Good for you. <laughs> Are you? One of my favorites is Santa Claus Coming to Town with the old, like, the uh, the claymation. Love the claymation. Oh, yeah, those yeah. are great. I love those ones. Uh, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, old school stop so, motion animation. so mean to him. So mean to Rudolph. Yeah, but, you know, he fights through it. Like, I mean, Brock Purdy's got to hey, fight through Brock it now Purdy for the 49ers. Brock Purdy had no red nose tonight, my friend. He did not. Uh, speaking <laughs> of Brock Purdy. Imagine if Sam Darnold's hair started glowing. <laughs> that would have been so cool. <laughs> He'll lead the 49ers <laughs> through this dark night. Oh, man. 
Rams. Uh, who you, who who you giving the game ball to? Um, only one person deserves it, and his name is referee number five, who calls <laughs> a safety in the end zone on Lamar Jackson, gets the Niners a sack, and gives them two free points tonight. So. Ref number, whatever you are, you get my first game ball. Yeah, that's a good one. They put the Niners ahead 2-0. They added the field goal. They made it 5-0, but it was uh, all Baltimore from that point on. They win 33-19 to over the 49ers. I don't think I've done this all year, but oh. I'm going to give a game ball to the opposing team because wow. uh, they definitely deserve it. I'll go Kyle Hamilton, two interceptions yeah. in this game, three passes, defensed. Had five tackles. He had the first interception in the end zone. He had another interception. I think it was Purdy's third interception of the game where he rolled to the right, threw back across his body. It was intended for Kittle, tipped up in the air. Hamilton was in the right place at the right time after being blocked by McCaffrey in the backfield. He then got back up and ran all the way back to where the play was going and had an interception. He was everywhere. He did leave the game with a knee injury late. Certainly hope that he's all right. He's a a great young safety for the Baltimore Ravens. Kyle Hamilton certainly deserving of a game ball. He he gets one for me tonight. I'm not going to pick a Raven because I feel like you're going to again. (laughs) Um, uh, How about Javon Hargrave? Uh, Didn't play last week, but it felt like on back-to-back plays, gets a sack, then the very next one gets a pass pass deflection. It it just felt like Javon had some fresh legs out there. Again, wasn't great all the way around. Three tackles. He had one sack, one tackle for loss, one quarterback hit, I believe. Uh, And just had a really... I think solid game on a defensive line that just really wasn't getting the job done for the betterment of this one. Uh, so Javon Hargrave gets my second game ball. I like that. I'm tempted to give the Ravens another one because there's a number of deserving players. Uh, Brandon Stevens uh, was really good as well uh, for the Ravens. I will, though, go back to the 49ers. Wow. I feel betrayed. But I might go off the board. I don't think you're expecting this here. Mitch Wisnowski. No. Jake, not, not Jake Moody. No, not a very good day for a Mitch Wisnowski. Had a good punt, but kind of out <laughs> kicked his coverage and then Dude, committed a late hit penalty a fake, as a result. Fake punt, and now he's tackling guys. He, <laughs> he thinks he's got something to him, man. Uh, I will go with rookie wide receiver Ronnie Bell, wow. who caught a touchdown. He didn't fumble a punt today. And that's that's part of the reason. <laughs> so last time out for him, he fumbled the punt. Um was that two games ago? Or was that in Arizona? No, is that well, he almost fumbled in Arizona. He did fumble against Seattle. That's right. So it's been consecutive kind of iffy games for Ronnie Bell. Yeah. He was back there returning punts once again today, did not come close to fumbling, and got a garbage time touchdown from Sam Darnold, just the one catch, a 12-yard touchdown. Um, but good to see Ronnie Bell bounce back a little bit after a couple of, of rough games where I'm sure he's had some stern talking to from Shanahan after those last two games where he nearly put the ball on the ground in consecutive games. Ronnie Bell. Gets a, a game ball for bouncing back, not turning the ball over, and the extra pluses that he got into the end zone late. How about uh, my last game ball? My last Christmas game ball. No, there's no uh, icing on it. No, no candy canes are being handed out. How about Marlon Humphrey hmm. of the Baltimore Ravens? Because Brendan Ayuk, 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 Ayuk did nothing all day. Non-factor. All Until day. garbage time. Finished with six. Cares? Finished with six for one thirteen, and to, to let you listeners in behind the the curtain, Sterling was freaking out because he was playing <laughs> against Brandon Ayuk, and, and it was looking perfect oh, through man. three and a half quarters, and then garbage time rolled around, and Ayuk looked like 
the second coming of Jerry Rice out there. I came into this game with a 30-point lead, and that thing dwindled to about <laughs> 10 with the Niners at the goal line. And I was like, if you gets a touchdown here, and they get the ball back. You're in serious danger. I, like Me and my fiance are not going to be in the fantasy football playoffs, but he had six catches, 113 yards, blah, blah, blah. He was a non-factor, like eliminated from the field. One catch, like, the first three quarters, I think. Just, like, for a guy who wants to get paid, you got to play in games like this, and you didn't show up. And Marlon Humphrey is the one that shut him down. So, <sighs> Marlon Humphrey, deserving of a game ball as well. It's yes, a good sir. pick. Yeah. All right. Uh, not a ton to be happy about if you're a 49er fan. They fall on Christmas night 33-19 to to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Going to be a fun day tomorrow here on 95.7, the game. Uh, not all the, the normal hosts are back, but we will have shows. We'll be live and local all day long tomorrow on 95.7, the game. Who's hosting in the morning, Mark? Uh, our our newest host, F.P. Santangelo, and, and pulled off the bench, wow. the 13th man, Matt Nahigian. you got to tune in for that, uh, <laughs> filling in for Bonte and Shasky tomorrow morning. It's going to be a ton of fun. We'll see if they can get on the air first. We'll see. Fingers crossed. <laughs> we'll see if they can have a show. Fingers crossed. But tune in. It's good. They're going to be fireworks, I'm sure, beginning at 6 in the morning tomorrow, reacting to a Niners loss, 33-19. to Ravens over the 49ers. Niners now tied with the Eagles atop the NFC, but they have the tie break. They still control their own destiny. You win your final two games, and you are the number one seed in the NFC. Everything still in front of the 49ers, despite a tough loss tonight. All right, shout-out to everyone for tuning in. Uh, all the texts on the Comcast Business text line, the YouTube chat, as always, was popping all night long here on 95.7 The Game. For my partner, Sterling Bennett, my name is Mark Randy signing off. Thanks so much for tuning in. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Hope you've had an awesome holiday weekend. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is Mark Randy signing off. Thanks so much for listening right here on 95.7 The Game. Everywhere.